Hello, beautiful people. It is Thursday, August 4th, 2022, and NFL football is officially back. Here, Here we go, go out of baby. Here we go out of baby. Let's ride into a time in which there's an NFL game being played on this day when Woo. we woke up yeah. this morning. Maybe took your morning grumpy, had a shower, had a breakfast, had a coffee, had a tea, whatever you had to do to move on to the next portion of your day. You knew that you woke up on a day in which there is NFL football. (laughs) You knew you could uh, go over to FanDuel Sportsbook and there was NFL lines to bet on. You knew that you had gone through months and months. And months of tedious bullshit talking about off-season stuff in the NFL and talking about sports that none of us know enough about because we are an American football program. Hell yeah. Today's the day in which two teams donning NFL equipment will be playing football in a high school stadium in Ohio. Which high school stadium? The same one that one of the head coaches played in as a high schooler, and now he's back as a head coach representing the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh McDaniels will take a team wearing Raiders jerseys into a high school he played at when he was in high school to take on Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both teams looking to change the face in the... Uh, kind of the image of their program and yeah. go on and mm-hmm. win in different ways. Doug Peterson obviously had the whole Philadelphia Eagles wins the Super Bowl and then what the fuck happened? Let's burn it down. Uh, we're going our separate ways. I'm going to take a year off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever happened there, we will never find out. No. <clears throat> it ended with Carson Wentz leaving, Doug Peterson leaving, Nick Foles leaving, and two out of three of those have a fucking statue of themselves outside the stadium there in Philadelphia and they go run out of time. What were you doing in Jacksonville? He pays Christian Kirk, changes the entire NFL market. They're trying to build a little bit of a monster down there. Good luck to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're still in the Colts and the Titans division. Uh-oh. And then the Las Vegas Raiders, speaking of division, they're in the AFC West. What? Every team out there could go on a run. Every team out there could go win a Super Bowl. Every team out there's fan bases think that they are going to win the Super Bowl and should be the favorite. And Derek Carr is sitting in a tiny little Uber driving around Ohio alongside Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. Hunter Renfro eating his kneecaps. Not sure that's good news <laughs> for their season, but that team is more loaded than they've ever been. Josh McDaniels is ready to do his thing. Will the Raiders surprise everybody and make it out of the AFC West and go on to win the Super Bowl tonight? We get a glimpse of what the McDaniels era could look like as a Raiders coach. Or tonight... We could get three snaps into this game and be completely devastated that NFL football is nowhere near back. This is USFL, XFL football with some interviews of people we know on the sideline. But nonetheless, we still get to turn on a goddamn game, and we should be excited for that. For this show today, big day. Huge. Hall of Famer Peyton Manning will join us in about 10 minutes. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, it's Hall of Fame game. The Sheriff? It's Hall of Fame day. The Peyton Manning. Man who has a statue right down here. I'm probably going to have one in Denver as well Uh and many other cities. Peyton Manning will be joining us in 10 minutes. That should be a good convo. Yeah, I'd say so. Tom Telesco, general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers. He will join us in the second hour at 1.15. Chris Ballard, general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, will join us at 2.35. And Brandon Bean, general manager of the Buffalo Bills, will join us at 3.05. That's all happening today. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Let's have some fun on this football. is back Thursday. The talk the tables here at Ty Schmidt at Boston Connor. Connor, I'll start with you. Brandon Bean's coming on the show. Every time he comes on the show, he dunks on you. I'm excited for that to happen yet again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not just him. You know, a lot of people come on this show and dunk sure. on me, but that's just kind you of You don't deserve it, it. No, not at all. I mean, hey, look. Bills are a good team. I'm excited to talk to Brandon Bean, especially because now it's no longer like, oh, Josh Allen and the Bills, what are they going to do this year? Now it's, hey, the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. If they don't go to the Super Bowl, then it's kind of a disappointing season. Much different attitude in Buffalo now. I'm excited for him. 
Sal Capaccio told us just yesterday <laughs> that although there is a new play caller, there's a lot of experienced play callers around the offense. Josh Allen's more mature in that offense. They're ready to go. No day ball is a question, though. Yeah, uh-huh. huge. You lose the play caller, especially when you're that efficient of an offense. It could, you know, see a drop, but maybe they add some wrinkles that nobody's seen before and they get even better. We shall see. Brandon Bean, always a good convo. Uh-huh. Chris Ballard, always a good convo. Mm-hmm. Tom Telesco, always a good convo. And Peyton Manning's a good conversation with anybody he has. Today should be a glorious day. At Ty Schmidt, big news yesterday. Came out after we went off air. They had until 8 a.m. this morning. They made it a little bit ahead of time. The NFL will appeal Judge Sue Robinson's ruling of six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. Now, we had chatted about this from the very beginning, that although Judge Sue L. Robinson, former federal judge who retired in 2017, was hired to be an independent judge so that Roger Goodell was not the judge, jury, and executioner, that was what the players did not want. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting a chance to see the new CBA, the new process work for the first time. Judge Sue Robinson overheard the entire court court case. Both the NFL had their lawyers representing wanting Deshaun Watson allegedly suspended indefinitely uh-huh. for at least one season as more information rolls out. The NFLPA was representing Deshaun. They said no games and then allegedly they were okay with six to eight games and allegedly the NFL was okay with 10 to 12 games but once again nobody knew shit about fuck because nobody was in there and there was no leak sources. Mm-hmm. Now it is alleged that not only will Roger Goodell appoint somebody from the NFL to oversee the appeals process, but the NFL is in control once again of what the ruling is, how this will go. The internet backlash after the six-game suspension was given was loud. 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 I think we were all very, very surprised about the amount of allegations, the narrative that seemed to be pretty true in all of those allegations. So maybe there was a conspiracy to get Deshaun Watson and make him look terrible and maybe uh, extort him out of money, or maybe there's some definite truth in some of these stories and we got to think about that being the highest paid contract in the NFL representing a league full of very good people where negativity normally hogs publicity so there's a fine balance in there what's going to happen new precedent Judge Sue Robinson puts a six game suspension now it's back to the old CBA the NFL is back in charge Uh, and this thing everybody's assuming is just going to be a full league year because that's what the NFL lawyers who represented uh, the NFL in the case in Judge Sue Robinson's courtroom are going to be pitching to Mm -hmm. the next appeal uh, which is not Roger Goodell he's going to appoint somebody maybe Condoleezza Rice or something like that all of this is precedent though Ty right all of this is precedent Mm -hmm. for future situations that arise obviously we hope that this type of situation never pops up again in the NFL we hope nothing bad ever happens again in the NFL but with thousands and thousands of employees in basically every single company in the country something bad's going to happen negativity will hog the publicity it'll Mm -hmm. be Huge, mm-hmm. and this is going to have to take place yet again in a different avenue. And everything that happens here is setting up for what the future punishments are going to be yeah. and how everything's going to be handled. The NFL knows that, right? Yeah. Everybody's thinking they're going to come in and just do a full league year. If they do that, that'll set up for the future discussions to be like, well, who's actually, mm-hmm. what's the purpose of this court case mm-hmm. if we're just going to appeal it and they're going to be doing it anyways? It's a fascinating time in the NFL, even though it's obviously an incredibly serious allegation coming against Deshaun Watson. Yeah, for sure. And we talked about it yesterday. Like, it, it, in simpler terms, like, it seemed like this was the opportunity, maybe in the only time in his career as commissioner for Goodell to go babyface and kind of make this decision on his own. And you wonder if maybe this situation almost has an asterisk. Like, and it's tough because this is going to set the president uh, the precedent but maybe this almost has an asterisk because it there are so many cases and because we know bad things are going to happen but you know when it's the number i think is what everyone is kind of you know you get hung up on that it's like it's not like this was a one-time offense it's 
whether the stuff was right or you know whatever happened is is whatever happened but it was a repeat case so like maybe i mean i i guess and it goes just to the like what the players were saying that they didn't want goodell to be judge jury and executioner but if he just hands this off like What's the deal? Exactly. So now I'm wondering, what's the deal? Why Roger Goodell doesn't want to make a decision now, or does he want to continue to be like, hey, I heard what everybody was saying about the fairness of me having every decision, all the power, and well, so I'm going to continue <laughs> to kind of give me hands off of this? Or is he nearing the end of his career, and he's just like, I don't know if I should be the one setting precedent in this entire thing. Yeah. I'll let somebody else do it. Who are the names that were potentially going to do it? Condoleezza Rice was one of them yep. for sure. I, I, I think there were two more maybe that were options. But again, it feels like with this stuff too, like – you look at the suspension numbers, it's like when they were first reporting it, it was like, oh, you know, it could be zero games. It could be one games. It could be two games. Like, And it's gone from like zero up to an entire season. You know like, what? I think it's because nobody had a, nobody had a clue. No. no I think idea. all the people that were reporting stuff were just literally just grasping for straws. Pissing into the wind. Yeah. Just like hoping it does. Like just hoping that something was going to happen. Because I think Ian Rapport came on our show. It was like, it might just be a fine. Yeah. It was like, who the fuck is saying that? Yeah, not a chance. There's no way that was what it was. No. And then when it came out six games, everybody thought it was very, very low. So was it a misread maybe by the powers that be on what the expectations were outside of there? Or is this just Sue L. Robinson was like, this is my first time. Mm-hmm. I have to go off a of precedent of what has happened in the past. I have to go of what was presented directly to me. And she is just like, hey, this is how it goes. Like, this is what's presented. This is the precedent. This is what this has been. This is my ruling because that's what a federal judge would do. Mm-hmm. So as Judge Sue Robinson and the NFL are trying to figure out how they're going to manage this relationship, I assume we're just watching it unfold publicly. And hopefully this goes for 10 years. I think all parties would be excited about an independent arbitrator. But this is all very, very important. Like, every step of this is very important for future shit. Yeah, I think they were guessing because they didn't know what Sue L. Robinson was going to do and she basically like what i've been reading is she said like i guess violent versus non-violent was a huge thing in the player uh conduct policy if it's non-violent it could only be so many games or whatever and then she was only presented the four or five cases she i mean i'm sure she knows about the number 26 or 24 whatever it was but she was like in her ruling i don't think she was allowed to have that number in her head so did um did um uh, did deshaun watson's lawyers Text the NFL yeah. lawyers. Yeah. All of so. his text messages yeah. for the last two years. <laughs> Every single one. Deshaun. Yeah. I don't want to make light of anything. No, no, it's of course Deshaun. not. Of course not. Yeah. That's Thank a good you. watch, though. Uh-huh. If, you, if you need a good laugh, that is a good laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Switch it up a little bit, maybe. Sir, do you know what perjury means? Dude, he is getting killed. Oh, in oh yeah. I mean, Sir, this is not your show. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> 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 My lord, yeah. <laughs> sent you all my text yeah. messages, and I'm hiding something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a situation. Tell you what, there was a lot of high horsing going on yesterday. No, you don't <laughs> say. Yeah. You don't say. I think I found the highest horse on all the internet. Well, listen. Oh, Tony. I don't even want to dive. <laughs> Tony, Tony went down a bad worm. I don't, want, I don't even want to dive into it, but boy, I'll tell you what. There's a lot happening in the world, and I think the Deshaun Watson thing is going to continue to be a storyline, at least for the first six weeks of the season, which doesn't start for three more weeks from – four weeks from – so we're talking at least another ten weeks. Yeah. I mean, that is 
11 weeks, five weeks until actual yeah, season? Yeah, five weeks until the season actually starts from today. Okay, so we're, we got at least another 11. So got this at least three a month. months. Yeah. Yeah. This is three weeks. we got a quarter of a year yeah. still to ta- yeah. chat about this entire thing because it's going to be a reoccurring conversation because the Browns are a good fucking team. Uh-huh. It's the biggest contract in the history of the biggest league on uh-huh. earth. They are a very, 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 very good team. And on the field, the last we saw them, which will be years ago, whenever mm-hmm. he potentially steps on, He's a good player. Oh, yeah. He, he can make good. their team very good. So there's a reason why we have to talk about it, even though I do not love it at all. Right. We have to chat about it because it's super negative. There's a whole fame game tonight. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. Hey, yeah. Football. You know, the odds have been moving a little bit. Oh, they have. They've been bouncing back and forth, and I think it's because there's more film that comes out of practice on these quarterbacks that nobody's ever heard of or these mm-hmm. wide receivers nobody's ever heard of. And the sports books are like, oh, looks like there's a – they might have a 4-3 at mm-hmm. slot right yeah. there. Can the guy catch and run the right routes and know what the quarterback wants him to do? Probably not. No. But if he happens to get the ball in space, that's gone. Pro- that's gone. See ya. That's swing the thing the other way. I have no idea how they're putting odds on these games. I do know that 30 and a half has moved to 29 and a half. It's Ooh. moved to 29, I think, at one point. Uh-huh. Like, Back uh, up to 30 and a half, I think. I like the over, but I can't wait to watch NFL football, and I can't wait to watch – you know, a celebration of what the game has been, sure. what mm-hmm. the game is, and what the game will be, which is what the Hall of Fame weekend is all about. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Always get good interviews on the sideline of these games. Yep. Awesome. Now, normally people just see them as clips on the internet because it's tough to watch the entirety of the Hall of Fame game unless Impossible. you have a family, friend, or a school player playing in the third or fourth quarter of a preseason game. Sure. It's tough to keep it on full time, but the clips and the interviews that come out, best. you listen to Hall of Famers talk about their day, what they're thinking, what they're celebrating, what they're looking forward mm-hmm. to the weekend. Joining us now is a Hall of Famer. Ooh. Joining us now is a man whose name is synonymous with the NFL and will be forever, not just because his family is a massive part of it, but because of how damn good he was on the football field. Mm-hmm. He also has a big-ass brain, both lit- literally and figuratively. <laughs> yep. He has transitioned away from football in beautiful fashion, being an incredible businessman, philanthropist, and a guy who might be an entertainment mogul. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Started a production company that might have 55 shows in production uh-huh. right now. Big brain, genius, Hall of Fame quarterback, known as the Sheriff. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a statue of him like three blocks that way, Peyton Manning. Yeah! What's up, dude? Wow, not bad intro. Hey, hey you- Pat, I think you missed your calling. I think I think you can make a lot of money doing walk-up intros for like youth baseball and softball. <laughs> I mean, all they do is play music now. Yeah. If you got on there and introduced each player, I mean. There's a big opportunity for you there, I think, pal. Okay, so I saw that kid a couple weeks ago, right? They started yeah. playing Biggie, yeah. and he started dancing, uh-huh. and then he hit that ball off the, the tee, tee yeah. and then he ran off to the side, and the whole place went bananas. Is there intros happening there? That does need to happen. I mean, that's a retirement gig for me, I think. I mean, every kid has a walk-up song, right? But it's like, it's six seconds, you know, it's, you know, this girl's on fire is a big one for my you know daughter's softball team. Uh you know, all kind of different songs. But I think to get you on there, start throwing some personal accolades out there, some stats, that's kind of next-level stuff. That's, that's guaranteed home runs. Okay, so if I could boost some, you know, the next Juan Soto. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, anything. The big polar bear. That's right, Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo. Like, if I can motivate the next one of those, I'll feel accomplished in life. And we'll obviously talk football. But go ahead. No, I was just saying, and get a piece of their contract, you know, when <laughs> like you started it, you were the foundation. Yeah, I want to cut. Hey, you remember when you were going to go play music? 
you were going to quit sports because of how bad you were at baseball. Mm -hmm. Then we started giving you a little confidence. You start hitting <laughs> dingers out there. Remember that whole thing? You could be in a band right now. Um, hey, I, before we start talking about football and Hall of Fame and your legacy and you know all that incredible stuff that is warranted of a conversation, you love being dad, huh? Because I know for a long time the world looked at you and was like, uh, "When are you know? When's Peyton gonna have a kid? When's Peyton gonna have a kid?" People talked about it like, "Well, he doesn't want to have a kid when he's in football." And I've never heard you say that, but you were like talked about for this. Now you with your kids everywhere is fucking awesome. You love it, Peyton, and what has it really done for you? You think? No, I do love it. Uh, right here on a little family vacation right now out in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, school starts in a couple weeks. Um, I am uh, coaching youth football this year. I'm the offensive coordinator on Marshall's uh, sixth grade tackle football team um, and uh, will be uh, a big part of Mosley's softball team. So I love the youth sports and uh, love being there, Pat, for all of their games and practices. I mean, that's, that's been the number one priority for me in this second chapter is staying busy and staying stimulated, but being able to do it on my schedule where I could be at their school functions and their sporting events. My dad was at those events for me. Uh, that was important to me as a kid when my dad was in the stands at a baseball game. You know, didn't necessarily coach me uh, all the time, but he was present. And I, I tried to take that same uh, same philosophy in this second chapter for me. And uh, it's been very special and it's been very uh, it's been a lot of fun as well. Hey, it's been cool to watch too, man. You know, it's like from afar watching it all happen has been awesome because I know the amount of like just attention to detail you put into every single day of being an NFL quarterback and how much you respected the position and how you literally they they say all that cliche bullshit about like somebody that works hard. You were all you were the living embodiment of it. And I fucking watched it. And it was like, I can't believe this human is like this. But this is why this human is the way it is. You always had great relationships with people. You're always a human, but you were committed full to football I think we all know that and that's why you had success so watching you enjoy your life I think all your former teammates are like very fucking happy for you just want to let you know that and talking about your dad being present he sent me a picture of you I think last year you were coaching a team you, quarterback has a sleeve you you got you're calling in plays it was like fourth grade or fifth grade I think you had a sleeve on that thing are we really advanced football at this point here but I, I mean I tried to get the earpiece, uh, you know, um, tried to put a little uh, uh, speaker in my son's ear to try to, like, talk to him that way. That was illegal. Um, I, um, I only had five kids on the team, right? No subs, right? Every kid gets to play, every play, both ways. That's the way to do it. I told him, I said, look, if one of you kids gets COVID and ruins our season now, we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Wear the mask, you know, stay healthy, and uh, may or may not have um, added a few players that uh, didn't exist, you know, just in case yeah. somebody had to go on vacation, right? And those three players, Pat, might have been named uh, John Scott, Brian Seabrooks, and Sean Sullivan. Those would be the three equipment managers for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so, player gets sick. We had another player. He's Sullivan for that day. I'm like, your name is Sean, right? <laughs> Sean, right? Sean. So, illegal, I don't know, but uh, it's fine. I'll say that. Hey, fourth graders don't have IDs. Nobody can find yeah, out. Exactly. You can be anybody you need to be today, and uh, we appreciate you. Need to run a go route and also turn around and play corner, but we will figure this whole thing out. Uh, when, you, when you were named to the Hall of Fame, they said what? It took like uh, – 
10 seconds or something yeah, like that, yeah, or 30 uh-huh. seconds. And I thought it took too long. That's like just expected, I think, from all of us while watching you play football. Like, uh, Peyton's going to be a Hall of Famer. Was it a big deal for you? I assume it was with the way you view football. But it was a given. We all knew that. I assume you did as well. But when that honor is officially bestowed upon you, what were the feelings as a man who has accomplished fucking everything, literally, at this point? Uh, it was a special feeling, uh, Pat, especially the way that I found out. Uh, Ashley... Uh, kind of organized, you know, due to COVID, they weren't doing the hotel knock. Uh, so Ashley uh, was told that I was uh, going to be inducted. And so she organized for uh, David Cutcliffe, Philip Fulmer, Tony Dungy, Jim Caldwell, Gary Kubiak, uh, Tom Moore and John Fox and Jim Moore via uh, video. Anyway, they came and sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, I've been inducted. So to find out, that way with all these coaches that have been a part of my football journey uh, since I was 18 years old or, or even 15 years old. My high school coach was on a video. That was pretty overwhelming to find out that way. It's a great fraternity to be a part of. I love the history of the game. I never assumed anything, uh, never talked about it, uh, but but it was a special weekend last year uh, in Canton. And, uh, you know, to, to kind of rejoin teammates like Marvin and, and Edrin, um, um, it's been a lot of fun too, and hopefully we got some new ones, uh, uh, Colts and Broncos coming along the way in the next couple of years. Now, whenever you get voted into the Hall of Fame and you're in there, th- there's a lot of like I'm on a new team now. I'm on a new team now. I think I've heard like Ray Lewis does a lot of that, like ownership of the Hall of Fame almost by this younger generation of Hall of Famers. What does that mean, and what do you think you guys can accomplish? You know, like can you guys have real effect? You think? Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, the game has been under attack for a number of years now, and I I think uh, Commissioner Goodell and the league are trying to do the right things to uh, make the game safer, uh, make it better, uh, trying to encourage youth football participation. Uh, I did a little uh, PSA for the NFL uh, talking about encouraging youth football participation flag tackle boys girls because it is fun and uh i'm not sure i look very good in this commercial the the kids are basically making fun of me the entire time but i was a good sport about it but uh look it's a great game as you know it pat i'm a staunch defender of it uh it teaches valuable lessons it's the ultimate team game so the more people that can play it and experience it uh is important to me and uh um, I do agree. Uh, Ray and a number of guys have, have taken this uh, sort of leadership role in trying to grow the game and in trying to protect it as well. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's separators at all the step, every step of the way. And you talked about your coaches from every step. Like, as somebody who's just been an NFL fan my entire life and I grew up in a football city, you kind of watch it. Like, every town has a guy who's, like, the best on their team. He's obviously huge. They all go to college. You know, they're the best of every single town. And then that group gets obviously cut down to the NFL, like the best of the best. And then there's that separating class. And that separating class that is just of elite individuals, it obviously, you don't fall into earth that way. There's a lot of hard work. There's an eth- uh, you know, a football IQ and everything that has to happen and maybe some chances along the way. But that group can change things, I think. Like in the NBA, the NBPA, Peyton, LeBron's in there, Chris Paul's in there, yeah. Russell Westbrook's in there. So when they're negotiating with the NBA, like there's there's real business chatter happening. Like I think with the way the NFL is going, 
I think the NFL and the NFLPA business-wise are only going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And Peyton, I think you can get the ex-players in that game too. You know what I mean? Like I think uh, the Hall of Fame guys can get in there, and I think you can really have an imprint on the way everything goes forever. Not that you haven't already. I got immense respect for you. Let's talk about Omaha. Hey, this is genius. You hear me? <laughs> everything you are doing right now is genius, Peyton. I got nothing but respect. You got a whiskey that is delicious uh-huh. Uh-huh. To die for. delicious you got a whiskey right now going omaha seems like there's a smash hit every other day yep. that college trivia game or whatever uh-huh. you your reading was impeccable I, Unbelievable. I have no idea how you read as well as you did i didn't know if there was cuts it didn't look like there was any cuts this omaha productions is incredible how long have you been thinking about this concept and is it just every step of the way you're just loving it because it has to be a blast to do all this Pat, it's been a lot of fun and uh uh Real quick, you mentioned the the trivia game is called College Bowl. Believe it or not, I had an hour pronunciation meeting with like my coach every morning, and I'm like, I don't know what that word means. Tell me how to pronounce it, and here's how I need it spelled in my monitor. Right? These are my <laughs> New Orleans slash Tennessee phonetics. Right? S U H. She's like, I don't know what. I'm like, just spell it that way. I can pronounce it. So yeah, you don't uh, have to read it. I, I was do. Challenging but fun. But the kids were great, and they were playing for scholarships. Pat, it's been a lot of fun to be on this side of it, right? Uh, for so many years, uh, I was always, you know, kind of had to be in everything. I'd never really been a part of something where I could kind of be uh, in the background and sort of providing counsel and resources and support. And uh, it's just been fun to be on that side of it, be around another great team, uh, got some great teammates, if you will, to use the football analogy. And uh, we're trying to create positive uh uplifting content that celebrates community and uh to me there's a lot of great stories to tell uh that way and uh it's really been a special run so far wow i think it's time you know what i mean i think it's time peyton and all right you know this guy right here when i get into the nfl i am drafted to the Colts to play a position i didn't really know that well punt but uh bill polian said he thought you're athletic enough you'll figure it out that next week we get shown around the facility kind of just gets shown around the facility and we go into the locker room and we're sitting in there and holy shit, there's these monsters of men walking by and I'm kind of, you know, taking, I'm sitting next to Austin Colley, you know, Austin Colley's right next to me. I'm sitting here, uh, Donald Brown right here, uh, Feely Moala. We're just kind of hanging out, watching all these guys and guys are coming by and they're like introducing themselves to us. Dallas Clark comes by. It's like, Oh damn. All right. I, I remember him from like, my brother playing the video game, yeah. Dallas mm-hmm. Clark playing, and his busted-ass fingers because he never wore a glove or anything. You're like, oh, that good old farm boy. I That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and Jeff Saturday comes by. It's like, nice to meet you, Jeff. Damn, those blue eyes, right? Holy hell. That, those <laughs> things cut. Like, very nice to meet you. Yeah, and then there's like, you know, a little shorter guy. I've said this before. Look like would have been my uncle if my uncle was black. And he goes, mm-hmm. hi, I'm Gary Brackett. Nice to meet you. <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, Gary, nice to meet you, man. I did not expect middle linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. Rutgers, absolute dog, by the way, on the field. And I was like, eye to eye with him. Like, hey, Gary Brackett, oh, this must be the smartest son of a bitch all the time. Turns out he was on the football field. And then this guy from the back corner of the locker room comes walking over, had those southern things. What are those things that go around sunglasses? What are those? Uh... Crokies. I don't know. The the glasses were down, had like khaki shorts on that looked incredible, had loafers on that was really nice, came walking over, puts his hand out to all of us and says, "Uh, welcome to Indianapolis. Uh, My name's Peyton or whatever. It's like we all literally just were like, no shit, dude. (laughs) But that moment all the way through, you were humble with your teammates. 
You were cool with us. You literally, I mean, I was the punter for the team. Nobody had a clue who I was. You invited me to shit, took me in like a teammate and a family man. Like, you have done things right forever. So for what I'm about to say, I'm very honored to be a part of. Uh, Peyton Manning and I are getting into business together. Uh, we have officially agreed alongside Omaha Productions to simulcast six big-ass college football games this season. We will be on ESPN2. The main cast will be on ESPN. Omaha is obviously helping us along the way, and we will be running it. Peyton, you're the fucking man. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the business. And I think we have to... I think we have to celebrate, baby! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did it. All right. I mean, I almost had a heart attack there. I haven't done anything since SummerSlam. Should have done more there. Peyton, this is awesome. We appreciate the hell out of you, buddy. Yeah. Hey, thank you enough, man. Looking forward to it. You're the best. Honored to be uh, your teammate again, if you will. And uh, you will kill this. You know this. And uh, everybody's fired up to watch. I can guarantee it. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, I'll be working directly with Peyton in Omaha and nobody else. We will have, I think, creative liberty and freedom, do whatever the fuck we want. And <laughs> I am so honored. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Have a great Hall of Fame day. Have a great Hall of Fame weekend. And uh, we'll see you around, boss. Thanks, Pat. You're the best, pal. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, Hall of Fame, Peyton Man. Yeah, Here we go, out of baby. Here we go, out of baby. Here we go, out of baby. Hey, how about you guys? Here we go, out of baby. Out of baby. Hey, out of baby. Toxic Table at Ty Schmidt at Boston Connor will be seen on ESPN2 six <laughs> times this upcoming college football season as we have partnered with Omaha Productions, Peyton Manning's company, for a simulcast slash watch along that we get to control, basically. What a life, huh, boys? Yeah, incredible. Unbelievable. Hopefully, we can wrangle maybe, you know, the Hawks for one game so I can watch Kirk's dogs on Saturday night. That'd Man, be great. That's being a big game. Yeah, <laughs> We're only doing yeah. it for big games every time the hawks take the field it's a big game well if tory taylor is stepping on the field you're 100 he will be he it, will be a lot probably they won't actually be that well more than anyone in the country. well anyway we'll so maybe it's a defense is a defense jack campbell hey maybe we get a hawkeye game maybe maybe but why don't they earn it tory taylor's gonna try to earn maybe the rest of the boys will try to as well offense needs to earn it Offense sucks. It was so boring last year. That's why Tory Taylor is fucking electrifying. That's why you get a good punter, by the way. Yeah, mm -hmm. defense, punting, special teams. Who says no? Nick Saban said that's not how you win football games. He, he did. Do it. He, he actually did. said that exactly. <laughs> he did. And he said last year was a rebuild Correct. year for them. He did say that, too. And, <laughs> National <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, probably a couple of roll tag games, if yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Tone Diggs, one half of the hammer. Don. Cowboys. Uh, Tone. I mean, pretty big deal. We're in business with old Omaha, ESPN2, I guess. Huh? This is a big deal. Just living the dream, dude. Something new every day. Fucking comes up and bites you right in the ass and we go, what? That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Why did it bite you in the ass? Yeah. <laughs> Just to wake you up. I wake you up like, hey, you're not dreaming. This is real. Oh, so it's nice. like a pinch, but instead for you, because you're a cowboy. Yeah, it was taking my loot. I had a horse fly. Yeah. Still doing that cowboy thing, huh? Yep. Enough, yeah. Are you? Yeah. As long as the fucking president is still getting COVID, we got to do the cowboy thing, right, Tony? Well, we don't have to worry about COVID anymore, Connor. What? Whoa, there's whoa. a new uh, I, I, There's a new disease they're peddling. Jeez. What's that, Big Museum? Well, we, we need to move on. Tony. Okay? What is Big Museum? What are you talking about? I don't know. I meant hospital, but I said museum. Jeez. <laughs> 
All right, let's move on. No, we don't good. know anything about that. I'm happy you are still the COVID cowboy because you're right. We still need to be cautious. That's we do right. need to be uh-huh. cautious. We Where? still need to think about it. We have been on, on top of that since day one. Wear your mask if you can. Mm-hmm. You don't have one on right now because... Well, six feet away. That's oh, right. so social distance is well, you're saying. Mm-hmm. Wear your and mask, wear, social distance. Wear yeah. goggles when you can. Can. You can. Joining us now is a man who has also survived COVID a few times. Mm-hmm. And we are incredibly proud of him for that. He's won a college football national championship. Uh, he's college football icon, this guy. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl champion, all-time leading tackler for the Green Bay Packers. The face of Ohio. Ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hawk. A.J. AJ, how you doing? Oh, good. I heard the, the big news. Is Peyton coming to town at all? Uh, I don't. I, I assume that we could, if we really wanted to leverage him, we could. But I'm not sure if we will do if that or volunteers not. Volunteers are playing. Yeah, uh, Tennessee going to be a big game. I know they, they got are sanctioned. Good. They are going to be good this year. No, they got sanctioned because they pulled those McDonald's bags out from underneath the table right. and said, "Hey, got a couple of double cheese, extra cheese." You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> That's what was saying to the boys. Yeah, it's a whole new era, right down there. Yeah, got a good team. Maybe uh-huh. we'll get Peyton in there. I don't know. I feel like he's done enough already for us, but. Um, yeah, I'm excited, AJ. Your big ass is obviously going to be flying over for, from Columbus for that. It'll be in the Thunderdome, and look how far we've come, AJ. Hey. Wow. I mean, the fact that it's on ESPN, too, that's crazy. Yeah, I think so, too. And Do they know what's going to happen? Uh, no. What, what but, do you mean? but also, quick follow-up. I'm not sure it was guaranteed to me that everyone's on ESPN, too, but I was told – Probably ESPN too. Okay. So in rollout, we say ESPN too, right? And then we potentially get ESPN too. There's a chance this goes to ESPN News. Uh You know, because college football, there's a lot of games on at the same time. True. But I was told ESPN too potentially for most. What about ESPN Plus as well? Well, then why would we do it then? You know, yeah. that, be on, no, I'm saying they do it on both when they show it on Plus and Two. Oh yes, sure. I so assume that's everything. Fine. Yeah, is on there. On the app sometimes, too, as well. It, technically, they're not on ESPN2, but on the app, like, live, and you can scroll and find see, it. See what we're doing right now? Put that graphic back up. Look down there at the bottom, AJ. What's up? What's that say? <laughs> More details as they get figured out. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> a lot of that Peyton going on. Right. A lot of that going on right now. No, that was not... That was not Omaha Productions' script. That was ours. And uh, I think they feel the same way. We're just pumped to make good shit, I think, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And they've... Um, you know, ever since the Manning cast, when I went on there, you know, Peyton, I think, has put in a good word for me a lot. Um, but, like, I think after the Manning cast, the people that run Omaha, uh, we're good with that, Foxy. The people that run the Omaha is a lot of really impressive motherfuckers. Like, the resumes of people that either, I don't know if they have a stake, part own, or work for at Omaha, very, very impressive crew. Like, I get a text from somebody with a name on it, and then I Google the person, I'm like... Holy fuck. This is did Peyton a, put them all together? Did he, did he recruit them and put them all together or yeah, what? I have no idea. Like at some point, I'd like to have a full sit down and uh, maybe Omaha will help produce that with their entire thing. But like, I would like to know how it all came together because it is a efficient, it's efficient too. Like when we deal with some companies, and I'm not just talking about when we simulcast make licenses deal, we're talking about advertising deals, not currently just in the past what has had to happen. A lot of companies don't understand what the fuck we are right they know that we're popular mm-hmm. like oh hey people watch this show because their kids tell them or something so they know that we're popular and then when we start talking to them 
the conversation like, oh, these motherfuckers have no idea who we are, how we are, what we are. Like, this is not going to work. Like, this is never going to work. The Omaha people, for how established the motherfuckers are that are running it, like, they were very much like, hey, like, let's just make this however, like, we just want you to basically do what you got to do. We will help out however you need to do it. And I'm, like, so thankful for that. So for them allowing us their platform, which is basically they're the ones that negotiated with ESPN, right, to get that platform to, to happen. So then they asked me to basically help produce it alongside them for it, for with our crew. Like, we got to fucking do it. You know, like, we got we to gotta try to kill it there because I don't think the network would have ever done that, you know? So, like, I'm very no. thankful that Omaha's doing it and Peyton's crew's doing it, you know? And, and why wouldn't you if you're involved with good people? That's the number one thing. Like, even, like, money sometimes doesn't matter nearly as much if you know, hey, this might this has a chance to be really cool and you get to work with cool people. Why not? Like you said, all the people behind the scenes are great. Yeah, it should be fun. I've turned down, you know, some pretty large offers for this show, this operation, this company, strictly because the freedom. Like, anytime I talk to anybody at any of these networks that I chat with, Every one of them say, like, I wish we could do what you could do. And I'm like, well, you could have, right? At the beginning, mm -hmm. all these networks just say no to you, and then you just kind of have to do it yourself, and then you kind of build that type of thing. But I understand what you're saying. I understand. I completely understand what you're saying. Everybody says that. Everybody's like, hey, that freedom of being able to do whatever you want. So, like, there's been a couple times where we've been in conversation over the last year or so with a place, and in the tone or in the writing, it's like final say of what happens is by – Whatever, like 50, it's a vote, 51-49 though, in the vote, and I'm 49 or whatever. It's like, okay. It's like Raj. It's like Raj over <laughs> Judge Sue. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's like there, this means nothing. This, it's not 49%, by the way. This is 0%. That, mm -hmm. is, that is not a – you are outscoring this percentage by 49 because if you have 51 and there's only two people, you see this is just a yes-no thing. This mm -hmm. is not a percentage thing. So I like the way you're writing that. So I've always tried to keep our freedom – our freedom! I have. I honestly have. Um, but there's definitely some things I've fucked up where people probably would have been able to make our operation much better. And because of the potential lack of freedom, I didn't get it. So hindsight will prove all this shit to be right or wrong, but I'm excited for this Omaha relationship. Yeah, why not? Why not try it? Like, you might as well. Like, Chad Johnson goes in there and has a boxing match. I thought he looked very good, but he even said, okay, I'm, shoot or shoot. I'm going to take a chance. It, it was going to be fun. I had an opportunity. It was fun. Let's go do this, though. Those watch-alongs are tough, though, some of them. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a good some time, though. But also, some of them. <laughs> six is a lot more palatable than having to, like, hey, you have to do this for 17 weeks. You have to do this for every single week of the college football season. Like, I think that is, like, a good place to start. And I don't not, bring any of your guys, Ty. I don't have any Iowa games. A lot of Big Ten games are on either Big Ten Network or Fox. So yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm yeah, so, just asking. So I think that's why we don't know the games yet. We know a few of the games that we'll okay. do, but, like, a few of the games aren't decided yet what time it's going to be or who's going to be the – so, like, that whole thing is still up in, like, flux or whatever. Maybe we'll go – hey, did the Hawks play on – you guys play noon on noon, ESPN. Noon. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, you guys play basic ass. No, because like, they'll get – yeah. yeah. No, no, no. They'll get a decent basic amount ass. of, like – We're not doing a simulcast seven, to an ESPN news game. No, seven, come on, wait, Ty. Listen, We're, this ain't fucking Northwestern Illinois, okay? Well, Hawks are never playing on, on ESPN <laughs> News or ESPN I called two. one of those games. Hey, you, you killed it, AJ. FS1, yeah, back in the day. Hey, what are you going to bring to the table whenever you come over uh, for these? These. What do you mean? Charcuterie? You know. Are you bringing shark, your... Got a nice shark tray, maybe? 
Are you bringing your college football national championship ring? Oh, we got to have yes. one of those on camera. We yes. have to have some legitimacy to people that are just tuning in. I don't know in. if I have it. Shut up. Yeah, you I do. I can talk to Pistol. It's back home with Pistol somewhere. Okay, maybe just bring Pistol with it on. He sits right yeah. behind you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He yep, have, I'm sure he's in. Have yeah. his hand over your shoulder, and he'll show it off like a, uh, engagement photos. Uh -huh. You should tackle one of us onto a tackling mat every time we're first on. Okay, that is something we have thought about. Oh. Are you willing to do any physical activities? Yeah, I'm very good at, like, unskilled grunt labor. Oh, Perfect. Perfect. All right, so I'm thinking, like, if something good happens, we have an alumni from said school where that person has to accomplish a task, and then that determines a giveaway. Oh, so what is like? How, what do you mean exactly? How would that work? So, like at the Thunderdome, we're going to have a lot of fucking shit. Like there, a lot of room for zip lines and all that stuff. Mm. I mean, haven't even thought about, but yeah, I mean, we could. Sure. That, that would be, be very. Hey, easy we really should. There's a second story, right? Yes. You got to have a slide down to like the first story. Though. Well, already. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is like fireman's a, fire pole. That'd be cool. We don't, don't have a fire We don't have a fire Grease it up. Put a mat, put a mat below it. Zito just fire. spoke some real truth there, too. All these fucking new concepts we're thinking of know that we potentially don't get in Thunderdome until 2025. Okay, oh, yeah. you want a fire pole? Sorry about it. Not going to be able to get it until 2027. Well, this fucking guy asking about a fire pole. Can we get the hog house finalized? This guy's yeah, just been snoozing no. over there. You did. Hey, for two, three months, that you pawned that off on something Ridiculous. else. Okay. Looking yep. right at the sunset. It's very time. easy to get answers. It is. Yeah. <laughs> when you're persistent, it is. When you're not there and you're not in the thing and haven't seen the space, it's very easy to go back and forth and try to get stuff ordered. But That's we got some idea. stuff going. I feel like AJ did not put his hands with the fingers yeah. into the Hawkhouse planning until he knew probably when Hawkhouse planning was going to have to happen. No, no, I did. I just didn't communicate well enough with you of exactly what we sure. need. Well, there was no happen. planning beforehand. There was no. There was conversations about what was there, and then there was nothing. I saw, like, it was like a stage zero has been complete. Oh, this guy. It was like a, no, it wasn't from him. It was, okay. it was from, like, uh, they drew it out or whatever, uh -huh. and they just arbitrarily put fake things in there, and they're like, how does this look? It's like, I don't know. I could have fucking done that. I mean, we, we that is that is no problem at all. Is this real? And they're like, oh, we're fi still figuring out the thing. It's like, oh, so you just showed me a room that we designed. Okay, got it. All right, I get it. Yeah, I, I saw the blueprints. But then when you came in, hey. Cracking the whip? Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't. It was just he was starting to really, sh it was shaping it. I don't think he thought about the hawk house once is what I'm saying. Jesus. Until it came time to <laughs> sure. really outline it. And by the way, putting it together. It's going to be sick. That thing is going to be nasty, isn't it? Thank you, Hawkeye. I sure hope so. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, man. I'm Once I, I want to get there, too, I'm going to add a few pieces once I get there and Ooh, I see the space myself. Picasso. I have a few other things I want to add. Dude, He, I get a call or a text. Was it a text or a call about the uh, turf field? Uh, text for a while, yeah. I was looking at a sky shot of this place. It looks like there's like a 30-yard field there right outside where the Hawkeye's going to be. You mind we put some turfs out there so we Sweet. can pull some sleds? In yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can, though, because it goes into the basketball court. No, outside. Outside. Outside, oh, outside, outside. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I thought that's what you were talking about. You were talking about inside? That's what I, I was talking about, that, and then right in front, like the transition from the weight room into, like, I didn't know what that room was. That goes into the big studio, though. If we had a, a turf, like, 20-yard field there, you could do a lot of stuff right there and then jump oh. right on the mic. Like the well, we can just make that turf. Uh, no, because the basketball court. Like yeah. the old bagel. Oh, sorry, we got an NBA-sized basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> like the Bengals indoor into practice facility we used to be. Yes. What? 
with that little that turf, little turf inside. That was a great turf field to warm up on. So maybe we just make the whole basketball court that. Anyways, we we'll figure this out in the future. Okay. But we can't wait for that. We're very thankful that Peyton has extended that opportunity to us, and we are going to try to hit an absolute dinger with it. Speaking of hitting a dinger with an opportunity, this man became the general manager of the Chargers. He had to withstand a location move, a full team flip, finding a new face of a franchise and program, and now he has a team sitting in a spot in which a lot of experts are saying these motherfuckers are about to go on a run ladies and gentlemen the general manager the man who is responsible for getting me into the nfl from the los angeles chargers tom telesco thanks for having me on how have you been pal busy off season training camps taking place it sounds like everybody thinks you guys are going to win the super bowl life's got to be good tom (laughs) jeez when you're a gm in my seat it never feels like that you never feel you look at the depth chart in the wall you see all the holes and you know you're in training camp seven days in and you know like everybody else you get some muscle injuries but uh it's been good you know it's it's uh vet seven practices two two fully padded practices you start to get a little bit of feel for where your team is but still really early uh but you know so far so good what is training camp like for the gm you're just trying to figure out numbers at all times because a lot of my teammates have obviously been let go in training camp because a tight end gets hurt and you have a lot of talent at corner and although this guy really good at special teams really good at corner it's like you're actually our fourth guy we got to lose you to bring in another tight end are you just always trying to do the math to see what would happen how would happen or are you just playing it as it goes no, that that's a big part of training camp. We're you know we're at a ninety man roster, ninety man limit. We're at ninety, and as you have injuries during camp, we have to make sure we have enough players in different positions to work not only in practice but preseason games. So you're constantly going through those moves, and you have to think of ahead of where you're going to be. So that is a part of camp, um, and then you know the other part, which is really big. I mean, our offseason program it's it's good, it's it's relatively long, but you can't see everything you need to see um, in OTAs when you're out there just in t-shirts and shorts. Uh, so training camp is really the time where players are really competing for spots, competing for a role, competing to be on the team, whereas OTA is really just instructional. So just trying to watch our players, watch them develop. Uh, certainly on defense this year, we have a lot of new faces. We could have five or six new starters on defense. So those guys have to kind of come together, you know, get used to communicating together, playing together in this defense. So there's, there's a lot for us to work on right now. What is, uh, like, Khalil Mack, what is his presence? What has that brought to your defense? Obviously, he and Bosa coming off opposing edges is a scary thing to think about, but what's it been like watching him early? Franey Mathis, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you rush the quarterback and cover behind him, and, and, and Pat, as you know, you know, having Franey Mathis all those years, you know, that's how you close out games. So having Joey, having Khalil, um, it just, it raises the defense. It has to, and, and you know, Khalil had, definitely has a presence about him. Um, it makes our tackles better facing those two guys every day in practice. Um, so I, I think on Tuesday's practice, we couldn't block Joey. Um, he kind of wrecked practice for us on Tuesday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's two premium edge rushers. Um, and usually you need more than two, but having those two guys can really help us get to where we want to go. And, like I said, this is it's a passing league. You've got to be able to rush the quarterback. You've got to be able to affect the quarterback. Certainly the quarterbacks in our division, we have to. Uh, so Khalil has been a huge addition for us. We're talking to Tom Telesco, general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers. Hey, Tom, uh, Aaron Rodgers yesterday, gave, he said a lot in a podcast, but in a post-practice interview, he talked about how, and now he's a player, and all players have basically the same view on preseason games once you've been in the NFL for a couple of years. So we have to take that 
in consideration when we say that. But he says the practices are so much more important than the games. In the practices, you're seeing guys compete against similar skill level, maybe what NFL uh, games will look like, same type of schemes, because in preseason games, everything's so vanilla and and fake. And in practices, everybody's kind of going. Do you view it that way? Like every practice is potentially a Super Bowl for a guy that's on the bubble? Or is the preseason game mean a little bit more for a general manager than it does for maybe an old vet who's sick of football that doesn't pay him anything and isn't worth anything? Yeah, I think it's unique to that player, you know, whether you're looking at a, at a veteran player or a young player. Um, but for, for young players, yes, practice is very important. Um, so are the combined practices. We're going to work with the Dallas Cowboys for two days, and those, those would be great work. Uh, but, it, you know, if you're a, a young linebacker, a young running back, a young safety, um, and any player trying to compete for a role on special teams, the games are very important. You know, we can't simulate, uh, you know, full speed, full tackle in practice and certainly can't simulate that on special teams. So the games are important for those guys. For the veteran players, I think practice is more important. Uh, you can control the tempo a little bit. Our work with Dallas will be tremendous because the tempo will be higher than a regular practice, but slightly lower than a real game. And we can control things, too. You know, in, in a game, once the ball is kicked off, we can't control anything. So um, that will be great work for our veteran players. But the young players, they really do need the preseason games. Tom, you guys have had a big like response as far as fans at your practices already. I know we're only seven days in, as you said, but were you guys expecting this? I know the, the Rams won the Super Bowl this year. You're in L.A. You guys have a giant following that seems like they're, they're excited for you guys. Yeah, no, we're trying to draw on those, you know, 18 million people, whatever it is in this this area. Um, you know, our attendance has been pretty good at training camp, but it just it feels different. Oh no! Oh, what the hell? Oh, you just want mute. You just want mute. You want mute. You want mute. No, you want mute. Yes, no idea. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. You said it feels different was the last thing we heard. You looked awesome, though. Yeah, hey, yeah. hey, you were – hey, listen, you yeah, were yeah. – uh-huh. I mean, you were going. We couldn't hear a fucking thing, but, I mean, you were you were <laughs> all the way in there. You said it feels different, though, and I think Matt Money Smith told us this yesterday as well with your fans. Yeah, I think we see it. Um, you know, there's definitely a buzz. Uh, you see all the Charger gear that, you know, that's, that's kind of come on in the last couple of years. I think people are excited. I think we – you know, last year we did not make the playoffs, obviously – um, we play an entertaining brand of football, and I think we have an identity to what we do. You can see what our offense did last year. We need to improve, keep improving on that, but trying to get a defense to match that uh, was a big part of our offseason, um, and I think can, people can feel that. I mean, there's there's a lot of football fans in this area. There's you know 18-plus million people, you know, and I think people are excited to watch this play. What's the next step that the franchise – Justin Herbert's going to make, you think? Like, where is it? Like, do you think it's off the field? Do you think it's on the field? Because he's spectacular. I don't know, even though, like with Josh Allen, we saw him year one to year two, massive jump. Year two to year three, incredible leap. Year three to year four just kept getting better and better. In comparing anybody to Josh Allen, who is currently the odds-on MVP favorite, and I think the new prototype, Justin Herbert, Big, massive, fast, his own right, his own person. Like, what are the leaps you think that you're going to see from him? And Or is it just same Justin Herbert football, we just need to do some other things differently? What do you think it is uh, for Herbert this upcoming season that we should be looking forward to? Yeah, it certainly won't be the same. I mean, he, he his intelligence, his drive to be great, and his humility, um, that kind of drives him to be the player that he is. And he still has such a long development to go. I mean, we're still talking about he's the youngest quarterback in our division still. So um, still a lot of Jeez. learning and experiences in front of him. Um, and he's come along so fast. I mean, he's developed so fast. 
I mean, just seeing him this year in, in our offense, obviously the second year with Joe Lombardi, and um, you know, it's probably a little bit more comfort factor. And uh, I think you can see that, you, you know, probably have to ask him. But when I look at it, you, you, I think every young quarterback, whether it's high school, college, or pro, you know, you kind of start off with, you know, how do we run this play? And then as you get more comfortable and you, you know the offense more, you get more of the why. This is why we're running this. This is what they do. And this is how we're going to counter it. So I think you're seeing more of that from Justin this year, more input in the offense and just a better feel. But he's you know, still a young player in this league. He's going to keep getting better. I don't see him leveling off anytime soon. Youngest in the division. you got to be it so is, fucking yeah. happy, Tom. I'm sorry. Go ahead, AJ. <laughs> you got to be no, It will follow up on that. I, I was going to say, like, how nice is it to know that you have your franchise QB in place, you drafted right, and that's something that if you don't have, you're constantly searching for until you find that guy. Yes. You have him now. Obviously, a lot of other stressors and things to do with the roster, but it has to feel pretty good. It does. I mean, you know, we, we've kind of had to transition from the Phillip Rivers era to the, the Justin Herbert era, era. And luckily, there wasn't a big gap. Um, you know, if you go back in Chargers history over time, I mean, they had Dan Fouts forever, and then they had a little bit of a gap there before they got the Stan Humphreys and went to the Super Bowl here, and another gap before Drew Brees. Um, you, if there's that gap too long, then there's somebody else sitting in this chair doing this interview with you guys. So, um, you know, it, it was really important, especially moving into this, this new stadium in Los Angeles. Um, the amount of marketing you have to do off the field to get people excited in this team, and it really starts with the quarterback. And that's where it all begins, and to have that face of the franchise, we have that. Um, and then we also have a head coach that really has an identity with this football team. And if you get those two right, to really take your organization to great heights. I think that's why everybody's so excited about your program, Tom. Honestly, it doesn't. It feels like oh, yeah. the Chargers have a lot of uh, momentum and, and popularity in conversation. You know, and that's. I think that's not an easy thing to do, especially with the Rams in town with what they were able to accomplish. And I think it's because of the team that you've built. You should be incredibly proud of yourself, man. I know we're all pretty pumped for you. I'm also very thankful that you hired my guy Pat White. Let's go. I saw a photo. <laughs> There's a photo sent over today from Chargers camp he had a pencil in his hand he, he looked very diligent in there i love that you brought him in and i told you i texted you this i said hey we would have followed him into baghdad whenever we were in college <laughs> if pat white said let's do it i think he's going to be an incredible coach i think he's going to be an incredible person to have around i love the decision you made and i appreciate you for that no i think you can see that you know he he was an intern coach with us last year at training camp and uh he really stood out to brandon and, and to a lot of us and uh I really think there's something too, you know, when you're when you're a quarterback, you just look at the game through a little bit wider lens and you obviously you already have that that leadership ability that you were as a player. And I think that's why so many quarterbacks they go into coaching and you see why quarterbacks end up a lot of times being head coaches in our league. And uh, you know, Pat has a pretty bright future and he's got a great staff to work with here. He's gonna work with all different positions on offense and uh, kind of see how far he can take it. But we're excited to have him. I can't wait to see the photos of him slinging it in warm-ups. You know, going <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be good to warm see. Up. It's going to be good to see. Uh, Tone Diggs has a question for you. Is that all right, Tom? Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Tom, you've went O-line first round in the last two drafts. You brought in Filer. You brought in Lindsley. How much of that is you were like, hey, we found our franchise. We need to protect him. And how much of it is that, that you, you just think that that's where the games are won? Uh, well, both, obviously. I think, you know, it's really important for us to protect, you know, our quarterback. We have a franchise quarterback. We're invested in him. And we're going to make a real big invest investment in him in the future. Um, you have to be able to protect him up front. Um, so that was a big priority. And, and Brandon said it when he came in from day one, you know, offensive line and defensive line. That's where the games are won and lost. So we had to make an investment in the offensive line. But you can't do it all through the draft. You can't do it all through free agency. We had, you know, try and mix and match that. So, 
Um, that was a big priority for us. And it's not just protecting the quarterback, but when we have a lead in the fourth quarter and you got to run the ball to close out a game, very important. It's also important in, in the red zone to be able to run the ball, you know, especially when teams know you're going to run it. So, um, yeah, th those, you know, typically, you know, back-to-back -back offensive linemen, not maybe the most exciting picks in the world, um, but we feel like we had some weapons here. Um, a receiver, running back, and tight end, but we got to keep protecting our investment at quarterback, and that's, that's what those guys can do. What was that? Was that two years ago the four-minute offense killed you guys? Was that two years ago, or was it last year as well? I don't remember. There, I think, like, you guys had four games won, I think it was two years ago, with, you know, a couple different stay-in-bounds, clock run, no timeout run, like situations that just kind of popped up at the end of a game that I think it was yeah. Herbert's rookie year. year. before yeah. Staley. Uh, yeah, yeah I think it was Herbert's rookie year or whatever. A couple, couple different kickers, Pat. You know, that's yeah, right, right. I mean, yeah, we didn't need to. Yeah. I mean, the kickers take enough heat, but you're right. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that that happened. Yeah. And it, I, I enjoy, like, you guys attacking head on, like, hey, this is where we obviously need to get better. And I think those next steps and next steps are why everybody's, like, incredibly excited for you guys. I forget. Justin Herbert, he did something a couple weeks ago. That was last year. He kicked the football. He's, he's handsome. Oh, I mean, yeah, huh? it's, are you guys – he's just – is he out in the community every single day? He's going to become a full-on rock star for you guys, right? I'll tell you what, you know, part of being a franchise quarterback is handling all that off the field. He handles it un unbelievably well. I mean, at practice, we have different position groups every day designated to go over and sign autographs. He's over there all the time when he doesn't need to be. Um, he loves giving back. And, that, again, that, that's part of that job as the quarterback is, is giving back to the fans. And I think he's even mentioned before that, you know, he was one of those kids you know, at, at those type of camps. I was one of those kids at, at training camp with the Buffalo Bills watching up at the fence with my dad watching the players play. So um, you can't forget that when you get to levels like this. And, he, you know, he doesn't. He probably never will. A lot of stars on your team right now. You guys spent a lot of money this offseason. I liked it. Hey, I liked what you guys oh, were doing. Yeah, I like yeah. whenever, you know, people are aggressive. I like whenever you see an opportunity, you go for it. J.C. being there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Khalil Mack. Offense, I mean, let – we're all in right now, huh, Tom? Is this from top down? Is that and is that something you're told, or is it you have to like ask? And how does that come to be whenever you're shaping a roster and thinking about spending money on people? Because some teams are doing it and some teams are not, obviously. And it's a very clear separator, I think, in overall success, Tom. Well, I mean, from my position, we're all in every year. Just there's just different ways to build it, and a lot of it determines where your team is at that point. Um, what contracts you have at that particular time, what your cap space is, and, you know, where, where your cash is. And that's, you know, it, it, things lined up this year for us as far as having a good amount of money to spend in a year that we felt like there were some players at positions that we wanted to uh, get better at, they were available. And then it's a matter of just making sure you evaluate the right players, uh, you're signing the right players, and they come in and perform. So um, it lined up for us this year, it really did, just having the space, having those players available. You know, the Cleo Mack trade, that just doesn't happen very often. Um, that presented itself, and, you know, we jumped on it pretty quick. Um, you can't predict that. Free agency worked out well for us the last couple of years. You know, even like it was mentioned That's before, cool. you know, signing Matt Filer to us was a big deal. You know, to get a guy like a, a tough veteran guard to build a wall in front of our quarterback. He's also a pretty good athlete. He's smart. He's tough. Those are really important players for us to add. Um, so it's not always just the big star players. You know, it's players like Matt Filer and his players like like our return um, punt return player hopefully this year deandre carter adding players like that to help us um it was a big deal this offseason so it uh yeah it worked out well for us so far we'll see how this plays out in the season yeah tom but when your fans see you guys making those moves 
Like the fans get like excited, yeah. like you know oh, what yeah. I mean. There's like it's a full momentum train you guys have because you're doing everything that I think every fan of a team would want their team to do. Mm-hmm. We can't wait to watch. We hope it obviously brings a lot of success. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Tom. Another one of those guys you kept around was Derwin James. How is that hold-in process when it comes from like the front office and him still being there? And were players like coming up to you like, "Hey, give this guy his fucking money," or were you just kind of <laughs> under the understanding that it was going to happen? Sometimes you do get that. This is not our first hold-in. I know the first time we had one, it was it was unique and different. Um, had never had that before. I mean, everyone's had holdouts, but you know, hold-in was relatively new. Um, this situation has been a lot different, uh, just based on on the player um, and who he is and how he stays engaged. It's it's a uh, it's a process to work through in this league. It happens, um, but you just kind of work through it. But it hasn't been a distraction. And, you know, we'll get it figured out. It's just taking us a little longer than I would have liked. Uh, but on our end, we'll, we'll get it figured out and get him, get him ready to go. But he's been he's been all in, fully invested um, in everything that's going on. And, we, you know, we just got to get this finished up. Tom, what was it like back in the old CBA when people did hold out? You'd have big vet O-linemen hold out for the first three weeks trying to get some extra money or just to miss camp. Like, what was it like trying to navigate those waters? Do you like it more now? Yeah, and follow up. Do you like? I, I guess I guess it, it kind of depends on the situation with the player is. I mean, what's what's you know what's kind of nice about it is the player is still engaged in meetings and, and working out. But obviously, you want the players to be on the field practicing. I mean, there's there's a reason why the whole team's out there. Um, but you know, we also know it's just, it's just the nature of the business um, as far as you know the business side of it. Typically, you like these these things done in the spring, um, get all the contract things out of the way early, and you get the training camp and it's just football. But when you're doing an extension. For a player, yeah, every now and then it could bleed into the into the training camp. It happens. Uh, this isn't the first time. You just got to work through it. Um, then we're we're, we're going to get there. But uh, yeah, you just got to make the best of the situation. Don't you think though? Like, it's so fascinating that they're there because you guys are doing business right now, and business is sometimes a little negative every once in a while because nobody wants to hear what they don't think of themselves on both sides or whatever. You know, so them being yep. in the building, I'm happy to hear that it's not just like an uncomfortable situation. It's very professional. But every time a player like Jensen tears his ACL, like <laughs> in a two thing, like the players, it, it's only going to continue, you know. So I'm happy that it's it's becoming like a functional negotiation, it feels like, you know, is that right? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And these these can't be cookie cutter negotiation. Everything is a little bit different. And, and you just got to be able to work with it. You have to be able to adapt and, and move. That's just the way that it is. And that, this is the situation we're in right now. We're going to figure it out and we're going to adapt and just make it work. And that's, you know, part of the GM's job is you got to make things work. Um, it may not always be pretty and you may have to, you know, move some things around. But, you know, it's our job to make things work and keep and make sure the head coach, you know, has the players he needs to win with. Um, but uh, we'll get this figured out. Hey, you're the man. I got nothing but faith. Last question here, Tom, from Ty. Tom, when you look at uh, the point about like you guys going all in, we always hear about teams, how good they are on paper, and you look at you know your team and you guys are unbelievable on paper, and that's largely a testament to you. Um, and, and you alluded to it earlier. You know, you're looking at the depth chart and you see like a couple holes. How do you temper expectations like internally and kind of, you know, give yourself a kick in the ass when it's it probably pretty easy to look at what you've done this offseason and the team you have and be like, how do we get any better? Yeah, you know, the, the term I hate is, is look good on paper. And I know the offseason, there's nowhere else, to, you know, there's no other way to look at it than, than, than you know, how you looked on paper. But I, I hate that term because what we don't want to do is we're, we're a team. We're not just building a team where it's just a portfolio of players, and you can look at that listing of players and say, "Oh, look at all these good players." 
you have to really build a team, a team that can win together, play together, that's got some toughness and grit and can handle all the adversity, the ups and downs of the season. You can't really see that on paper. So that's what we're trying to build a team, not just put a bunch of you know flashy players together. And there, to me, there's a big difference between those two things. So, um, yeah, but as far as expectations, I mean, we want expectations. I mean, that's I mean, a lot of us are in this business because we're competitive and, and kind of like the, the pressure of that. Like, I, I would much rather be playing in a game and be competing in that game than watching from the outside. I just I would rather I'd rather go in win or lose than just be watching as a fan. That's just the way that I'm wired. I love to be a part of that and compete with that. But it's all about building a team and not just having you know, a good looking roster on paper and then you just do this and you know you wait for the you know for next year. So that's not how it works. The competitive drive is the thing that has you you know away from your family and in the office for hours and hours. And we all appreciate you doing that. And I wanted to follow up on your first answer though, where you said you know you're trying to build a team. AJ and I, and I think every ex-player that has ever had a microphone in front of him, always preaches like, hey, a team getting along means a lot. Like a team is a very important X factor that you cannot judge. And the teams that stink, by the way, probably don't like each other. And the teams that are good like each other and they have to fit. Do you see some other places that clearly have never been on a team sport before that are putting their team together in question like, that's obviously never going to work. And then is that something you have to actually think about when you're interviewing prospects? How will they fit into our locker room? And how do you go about testing that? Yeah, always, always thinking about that as far as how they're going to fit. Um, and I'm not so, it's not so much personality. Everyone's personalities are different. We're not scouting personalities. But, um, you know, which, what, what your goals are, what your traits are, um, how you interact with your teammates. Um, I mean, all of that has to go into, you know, do they fit for us or not more than just the X's and O's of the scheme. And I can only talk about the teams that I've been on through my career and how they were built and, you know, watching the teams that you were on and seeing how everybody got along in the locker room. And they might not necessarily all love each other's personalities, but you guys really loved each other as teammates and you played for each other. And that means a lot. I mean, I can't, I can't scout that. I can't put a value on that at all. But when you're going out there, the guy next to you, you're playing for the guys next to you. And that is a lot of that's developed through time. If you get the right players in the building and have the right coaching staff, which we do, I mean, Brandon's great with the players as far as building that camaraderie around the team. But a lot of that kind of builds on its own if you have the right people in the building. And that, that's where we think we are right now. Yeah, but eyeing a turd is a fucking incredible talent as well. <laughs> you know, that's real. AJ, don't you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you get you get one little trickles down through the whole locker room Boom! younger guys like listen to it and then all of a sudden they think that's how it's supposed to be and then bang that can take over like that i think personally yeah but that's the interesting thing is is you two guys are in the locker room you many times you know that before i do because you're down there every single day i'm not walking to the locker room you know i'm not in the in the individual position meetings you guys know before i do and so that's why i think it's important for me is to make sure i you know keep in communication with our main veterans and just get some feedback from those guys. I love getting feedback from our players as far as what they're seeing, um, especially from guys that came from other places. But just to kind of get a feel and a pulse for everything to make sure everything's going in the right direction. That's smart. That's a open dialogue is an incredibly intelligent thing. I think a very transparent organization is normally the one that trusts each other the most, which normally brings in everything. I can't wait to watch what you guys continue to accomplish in Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's great. Thanks, guys. Do you miss Hard Knocks? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Tom Zaleski. Yeah, hey. This guy 
who just joined us live from training camp here in Westfield? Yeah, I believe so. Uh-huh. Indiana, oh, I think, yeah. which is north of the city. Mm-hmm. Beautiful complex. The Indianapolis Colts have been putting in work. This team will look brand new with Matt Ryan at the helm. Stories are great coming out of training camp and OTAs already. The man who pieced it all together with an incredible southern accent. Ladies and gentlemen, general manager for the Colts, Chris Ballard. Yeah. How you doing, Chris? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Yeah, how's training camp? How's the practice today? Did you get after anybody's ass out there, Chris, or what happened? No, no, <laughs> but it was good. It was a good practice. No, I let that up to the coaches. It was a good practice, though. Hey, a lot coming out right now about the demeanor of the team with Matt Ryan leading it. Uh, about how, you know, practices have been quicker. And for those that don't know, that means there isn't as many repeats or fuck-ups or realigns. It means things have been kind of a bit more sharp and crisp with Matt Ryan. Is that an accurate assessment from outside looking in? And what has it meant to you and the team that you've built bringing in this guy who Jim Irsay said a Navy SEAL, an astronaut, has joined us? Have you felt that thus far from Matty Ice? There's definitely a sense of urgency you know, with Matt, you know, you felt the same thing when Philip was in here, you know, where, where mistakes are not, you know, you're not going to walk by, he's not going to walk by a mistake. He's, he's going to, he, he has a way he wants things done. Um, and he's going to, he's going to make sure that the guys know it. And, you know, when, when you're playing that position, it, it's, it's critical that you get that leadership. So it's been fun to be around. Look, I mean, as hard as, you know, and Matt's, you know, he's demanding, but he also enjoys it. And he, he brings a lot of joy, you know, just playing the game, which is fun to watch. Yeah, you mentioned sense of urgency that he brings that. That's something that I feel like you can't really coach into somebody. Is that, do you look at that when you're talking to potential people you may draft or bring it into the team? Yeah, I mean, look, you want guys that want to win. And, you know, you take it for, like, I think when you're young in this league, you don't, you think it's going to last forever. And those oppor- the opportunities to win, it's hard. I mean, like, it's hard to win one freaking game in this league. <laughs> and, I mean, I think sometimes that gets washed over. And when you're young, you don't you think it's going to last forever. And, and, you know, now we're dealing with, a, you know, Matt, who's been in the league for 14 years, who's been to a Super Bowl and knows how hard it is to win and the urgency you have to have on a daily basis to get yourself ready for the season to win. It has to be there, and you can't, you can't, you can't miss those opportunities when they happen. We missed it last year. I mean, we missed it, and we had an opportunity, and we we jacked it up, and you know, here we are again. And I, I feel a team that it's not just Matt. There's a lot of guys with a sense of urgency. Yeah, let's start talking about some of the pillars of that team because, you know, Shaquille Leonard is an absolute stud. He's an MV, defensive MVP candidate in most years whenever he's playing. He's a guy, and he came on and talked about Eberflus's led defense, about accountability and set the tone and we're going to work. Eberflus is gone, but now it sounds like the offense has a similar person in Matt Ryan. How have the teams been getting along offensive, defensive-wise? How has Frank been managing it all? And what do you think about the OGs of your team? now it seems like just yesterday they were young pups now they're grizzled veterans chris ballard i know i know i mean that's what the i mean uh, that's the funny thing and the grizzled veterans that are 25 and 26 years old i mean you know we were so young in 18 i look back on it how young this team is and we're still pretty i mean in general in general terms we're still pretty young but these guys have been through it i mean they've been in the 
you know, like those guys that have been here in 18 and 19 and 20, you know, they've been to the playoffs, they've won a playoff game, you know, they've been disappointed. Um, oh, yeah. So there's, there's this great sense of urgency for that. And Frank handles, like, it gets a little chippy. I mean, it's training camp. I mean, when you're competing against each other, trying to make each other better, it's going to get a little chippy. Um, but, like, you know, Frank does a good job with our team. Like, oh, you also got to be disciplined. You got to have some damn self-control. And let's don't distract practice um, by being stupid. Chris, is, uh, is Jonathan Taylor going to rush for about 2,500 yards this year? We sure hope to watch. Ain't pretty good. <laughs> yeah. he is, hey, what was that story out of draft day? Didn't Jim Irsay, like, tell you, don't you like him? Don't you like him? Like, go get him. And thank God you did. I mean, this guy, workhorse and loved. He comes out last out of the tunnel. I seen it. I seen it. Well, that the best – I'll never forget what we did. Because remember, that was during COVID. So I'm at home, and – we're all on this zoom call and we had been talking about Jonathan Taylor for a year. And I remember Jim just out of the blue, he ain't said a word and out of the blue, he just, Hey, Chris, don't you like this guy? Don't you think you should get him? I was like, okay, it's all I need to know. Let's, let's move up. How many yards do you think he's going to get? What's a successful year? Are you even thinking about that? Are you tracking that? Like how, what's the conversation with Jonathan Taylor? Just get better from last year. Yeah, I mean, look, just we got to do whatever it takes offensively to win and score points. So, you know, and that's the great thing about Jonathan. If Jonathan, oh yeah, if Jonathan has ten carries in a game and we win, you're not going to hear anything out of him. That's what makes him really special. If we ask him to carry it thirty times, he'll carry it thirty times. So I think Frank will do, and the offensive staff do whatever it takes to win. Wide receiver group, talk to me about it. Talk to me about it. Hey, because I've talked about it. I believe. Pittman Jr., There's we got to see it live. Oh, yeah. He's explosive. He runs great routes. I think he's always on time. I think he will get along with his quarterback. Not as proven as maybe some others that are available. He's out there. T.Y. Hilton, obviously he was on the team last year. OG of the room, not this year. Reggie Wayne is the wide receiver coach, so you got an OG in the room there. You draft Alec. How do you feel about the wide receiver room, or is that still something you're looking at? No, I mean, so far so good. I mean, Alec had a, I mean, he actually had a big day today. Um, and Ashton Doolin, the last couple of days, has been outstanding. Um, and so is Paris. And then we got some other guys. So, look, we'll always keep our eye, you know, if we get a chance that we think we can get better. But we like the group we have. And then, you know, the combination of, of that group plus, you know, Naheem just gets overlooked, oh. you know, in who he is and what he can do in the mismatches he presents for the defense. So I know they'll be creative in getting him involved, and we really like our tight end group. You know, we got two, you know, really three young, talented players along with Mo Alley. So, you know, we, we think at the end of the day um, we're going to be pretty good offensively. Hey, Alex, a dog, huh? He competes. You he's, know, he's not. Like, that's the one thing you look for in a rookie is how aggressive are they early. You know, that – you know, I'd rather have to hold them back and – you know, with him, he, you know, from day one, he's been aggressive and, and you like to see, and he's confident and he's smart. Um, and those, those traits usually, with his talent, those usually transfer to end up being a good player. Your three young tight ends are huge, huh? Because Mo Ali Cox, big dude. He's been a favorite of every quarterback that you guys have had there because of how big he is, how athletic he is. You got two more young guys that are massive as well, right? Is that on purpose? Well, I mean, you know, you like them. I mean, those big targets. 
I mean, they're always open. Hey, I've heard so, from camp. These are some big motherfuckers. They're like, hey, <laughs> tight ends are big dudes right now, like big, big guys, right? I mean, that had to be yeah. a plan. Yeah, Jelani, Jelani's a big athlete that can really run. And then Ogletree, Ogletree had a catch today, a one-hander over the middle. Like, you wouldn't – I mean, I better watch my language. You you wouldn't believe – I mean, this kid is talented. Um so, no, it's a good group. And what do you Branson, think he's going to do? Hold out and renegotiate with you if you compliment uh, him right now? What were you going to say there? What were you even going to? Well, could, I was going to drop an F-bomb, but I'm Connie gets pissed off when I cuss. <laughs> <laughs> Connie. And so, I, Connie. so <laughs> like, after every press conference, he'll go, well, Chris, you only had two curse words in that press conference. That was pretty good. Yeah. I said, well, that's good. We're making progress. Yeah, well, I appreciate you respecting Conti. He's a hard worker. But that's you, you got big bodies at that tight end position. And with, like, how much is Matt Ryan getting to say on how things are going? Does he want to say? Have you? Has it been, like, a natural reaction and natural relationship with him? Well, to be honest with you, like, before the draft, we gave him players to look at. Um I just said, hey, take a look at these guys. Tell me, tell me how we can use them. And it, you know, I mean, look, you're you're talking about a guy that's potential Hall of Famer that's been playing the game a long time. I mean, why wouldn't you use that resource? Um, to I mean, he knows he's running the show. Like it's a at the end of the day, the players, you know, he's they know players know, and quarterback that's doing it this long, he's got such a great feel for it. Um, so there's no doubt we have discussions. Chris, is that common uh, around the league to do that maybe before the draft? Say you have your quarterback, send him a group of guys and say, hey, tell me what you think. I don't know. I mean, you know, when, you, when you've when got a guy that you – know, when you've got a guy that you – you know, this has this much experience, why not, you know, why not pick his brain and get his thoughts? He's seen a lot, been a lot of, around a lot of great players. He, know what they, he knows what they look like. I asked Tom Telesco this, and I'll ask you as well. Is it weird not having the Hard Knocks folks around? You know, is it you know, <laughs> rather everything be on camera? Huh? It's it's you know it wasn't like this time of year it wasn't bad. It was during the season, and to be honest with you, it it was not because we were they didn't like training camp. They bring like three or four cameras. They got a huge crew. For training camp for us they only had one or two cameras and three or four people so it was never you know it was never one where you know you said damn i wish they weren't i never got that feeling when they were around yeah you like everything we do see i've done screwed up anyway so everything we do anyways is it's like we're in the light anyways what the hell i mean yeah but you were editing I, i understand and i think and i've never asked you this you were about to give a great speech on one episode. You oh, remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You had you had to, you had the ball. You were in the middle of the group. It was like, all right, we're about to listen to this the Buffalo. Win? Here we go. Good speaker. This yeah. guy's yeah. good speaker. We're gonna hear how you know Chris talks to the team that he has assembled and in a big moment when he's forced to do so. And what they do, they cut the scene, moved uh-huh. on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chris told him, don't show any of the good stuff. That's how I think. That's what I think happened. No, yeah. I just stopped right after that. I just like right at that moment, I cut it off. Like I just walked off. See, that's the bullshit that you want us yeah. to believe. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, how, is, 
How is training camp going, though? You said you're getting a little chippy. How's the vibe? Team feels good. They know expectations are high, right? They're always going to be high, but it feels like this year, you know, especially with how Ursay is, we all know I love Jim. Everybody loves every, – literally everybody that has a microphone in front of them love Jim Ursay at this point, but he's put it out there. Jim is not a guy who's just going to sit back if the team's not good. Expectations are what they are. You've spent money. You've brought people in. How is everybody handling that, and how is it being addressed, do you think, Chris? No, I mean, these guys work. I mean, that's the one thing you like. I mean, like, you just got to work, and you can't get in front of yourself. Like, this is – like, training camp right now is the priority. Nothing else. Like, just let's work. Let's get better. Let's get good at the things we need to be good at during the season. This is when you get hardened. I mean, like, our schedule – the schedule's changed. I mean, even when both of y'all played in the league. Like, it has changed dramatically. Um, so the days that we actually get out and get work, we got to get the work done. And that's the good thing about this group. Um, they work. That's something I never worry about with them. You don't have, you know, coaches don't have to, you know, prod and yell. I mean, these guys come to work and they're professionals and they want to, you know, they want to win. Are you taking notes all day, every day at practice? Or are you just an observer and go back, watch the film later? How are you deciding who? Arrigo, how's he doing? How's he, hey, well, how's he doing? He hitting the ball well? He's hitting the ball well. He's really good. He's really good. Hey, him, he's and, fucking... him and Luke are they're, – they're just – I mean, both of them, you almost take them for granted, you know, because they're, they're automatic. Um, and but he's doing – like, he worked hard directionally with a lot of the things. I don't – he had a good year last year, but I think his standard's so high. Um, so he spent a lot of time, he's, and he's really – like, today was outstanding. You know, the thing, really hey, you know the thing that stinks for Rigo? And it stinks, but it's it's a compliment of the human that he is. He's such a boring punter because he's putting the ball exactly where you need it. Fair catches normally, not letting any return game happen at all. His misses, very rare, but his misses are, you can't really tell because the camera isn't like embarrassing him. And he just does his job so good all the time, which is all you're looking for at the punter position. He just doesn't get enough of the low drop. Let me hit this thing 67 yards so people can ooh and awe over it because he's bought into the team principle. I'm incredibly impressed by that guy. I fucking love the way he does his job. I almost, I laugh now because Vinny, like you remember, if you'll think back, like Luke and Rigo were rookies. And I remember Vinny, you know, Vinny, I mean, he's going to tell me what he thinks. And he's like, <laughs> fuck Ballard. And he goes, you know, you're going to give me a guy that's never snapped in a fucking game. And, <laughs> and I'm going to get a punter, you know, that's a converted kicker. Thanks a lot. And I just looked at Tom McManus and I even Tommy, make it work. Yeah, you got to figure that out. <laughs> Hey, you just said fuck twice, by the way. Conti, Conti's thinking about but you were Vinatieri there. So we all understand. Yeah. You know, we all, I think you'll get a pass on that whole thing. I miss, I miss Vinny. He, like, there's, for a, the leader he was, and the one thing I could all, and I love this about people that are just blunt honest. Like, the ones that kind of beat around the bush, like, just tell me. Like, I had no problem with Vinny. Vinny would tell me, like, I'd be walking down the hall. And if there was something wrong, I was going to know about it. And that, and I love that about it. Hey, uh, it's your first time being a GM? Yeah. All right. Well, you're just going to let this shit fly, huh? <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll see you. We will see you, pal. Go ahead and do your thing. Yeah. Um, I want So right there on that film, right there on that film, it's a punt rep. I don't know what period you guys are doing punt, either at the beginning or in the middle. You're looking right now at who potentially can also do special teams, right? That's every rep counts for every single young guy at that training camp right there. So in punt teams is 
like it's the most important one. I mean, you know, you've got to be able to protect and finding, you know, finding one is your starting unit on the punt team, but then also getting some depth when things happen during the season. So, you know, Bubba Ventron's really good and he does a great job and um, Pittsburgh. Guy. It it's critical that you, you know, that these guys get enough reps now and in the preseason and live reps in which we go live um, so we can make sure we're we're protecting and covering the way we should and at our standard. Chris, isn't an interesting thing because all these guys have been stars at every team they've ever played for, so they never play special teams. Like people talk about it at Alabama, where a guy who's a starting something is co- also covering on the kickoff team. That's because Saban knows, like, hey, this guy's going to probably have to fucking cover a kick mm-hmm. next year. It doesn't happen like that at a lot of colleges because not a lot of colleges can take a hit to their starter. So these guys who have played football their entire life are now being asked to play a different sport. Special teams is a different. It's it's like putting in golf. It's a completely different sport. You're kick sliding. I know you're a running back. You're kick sliding. You have to shed a blocker. You have to go get in coverage lanes. And you're trying to teach people that in training camp while also trying to judge whether or not they'll lose a game. Because that shit will lose you a fucking game. I mean, it's like the things are so – it's interesting how you pick a team and how you have to think about all that shit at all times. has to be a lot, Chris. That's a lot to think about. You can't – like special teams is it'll it'll win you you'll win two or three games a year just on being good on special teams and it's an area that we put teeth into you know we take it serious um and we expect guys to play and look from the get-go we tell them like you're gonna play i don't care if you're a starter you're gonna play on one phase we're gonna be good on teams and and frank does a great job making sure the guys understand it. We don't get much, we don't get any kickback. They understand that I mean it's a very important part of the game and guys make careers. Yes. I mean they'll have careers if they're good on them. And especially if they can play on all four faces. There's some guy right there that you're watching that has zero snaps in the NFL who's just now learning how he's going to pay for his family's life for the next like 8 years. It's a pretty cool thing. And then there's some guys that think they're too good for it and it's like all right, man. Good luck in the XFL, dude. Like that's, that's well, look. That's when they figure it out. So all of a sudden they get here and they're used to getting all of a sudden their third string, and they're looking up like, well, I'm not getting a lot of reps. And I'm like, you're about to. Don't worry. Get up. I don't let, get in. Get in the punt unit, and you're about to get a ton of reps. And every rookie and every shit fats, they you got to be able to play on them. You got to be good on them. Man, that was awesome to hear from you there. And I, I would have loved to be on a team unit what you were the GM because I would have been dropping seeds on who I thought should make the team. Hey, I know he's not great at coverage, like maybe on the secondary, but <laughs> hey, this guy can really – hey, don't you think you saw him flying down there? And with Rigo, he's hitting fair catches. All you need is good protection and a gunner or two. Should be in a good spot. I'm excited to watch you put that team together. The boys have some questions for you. Is that all right? Oh, yeah. I love the boys. I know you're very they busy. Always, uh, no, I love, love the boys. You, all right, let's go straight to Boston Connor. <laughs> there you go. Connor, your question for Chris Ballard. Yeah, Chris, you got studs all over the defense, and then you add Stephon Gilmore, who's the defensive player of the year in New England. No big deal. How has he kind of fit in there, and also has he become kind of like a teacher, mentor almost for some of the younger guys? Just in a way, I mean, much like Matt, he's not as vocal as Matt, um, but just in the way he works. Like He made a great play today on a slant. Um, on a third and seven and, and had a big collision. Just like guys that have played and played at a high level and know how to play, you know, that rubs off on, on other guys. And it's been good for these other young corners to be around Stefan. Um, 
Kenny Moore. What are you going to do? You're going to pay him all the money, or what do we, we got to pay yeah. who, who, Quentin Nelson? Right. Right. Quentin Nelson needs to get paid. Got, Kenny's got to get paid. Jonathan yes. Taylor. Jonathan list. Taylor needs to get paid. Michael Pittman. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pittman, especially. He's about to have a breakout year. Uh-huh. And they're paying wide receivers earlier than early. If yeah. Alec Pierce has a good first Uh-oh. couple games, oh, boy. let's get him locked in for yeah, a little totally. bit. How do, how, I thought you – I mean, are you trying to make my job harder? I just like to see players get paid. <laughs> no, but no, and look, I love to see them get paid too. Yes, I, I don't know. ever. Uh, I don't ever. I want good for players. I think it's great when you know when they get to their second contract. Sometimes it's with us, and sometimes it's not. Um, but even if it's ones that you know we have to move on from, and they get another contract somewhere else, I'm happy for them because that means they've done their job and we've done ours. You mentioned the uh, the training camp schedule now being different, I guess, with than the old CBA. Is it harder or is it is it easier? You think to to evaluate these guys and figure out who's actually going to be make the team? No, it's harder. You know, you don't get you don't get quite as much work, um, and so you've got to be really diligent, you know, with your practice sessions to making sure you're getting enough good on good, and then players that you really see ascending, making sure they're they're facing good players. Um, so, you know, we're, we're purposeful in our practice and how we do it. And, you know, this first week we're getting through and, you know, kind of seeing where everybody stands, but as we go forward, you know, into these preseason games, we'll start even getting a better look and making sure we're getting the guys in position to see how they perform against some good people. Tone. Chris, I've always been intrigued, like, um, when players don't make a team, uh, and then another team immediately picks them up. Is that because, like, that's a guy that you've scouted before, so you know you like them, you know that you have a spot for them? Do you have guys at camps? Do you pay attention to what's going on at other camps? How does that happen so quickly? You know, our pro scouts have done a tremendous job. You know, I just think of the guys we claimed from Kenny was a claim. Glowinski was a claim. Al- you know, Muhammad was a claim. Pierre Desir was a claim. Um, and so we study all the preseason tape. Like, and you might only get a flash. I remember a Kenny, you know, there's about 35 plays and you saw enough to say, okay, it's worth, it's worth the shot. And we needed help at that. You know, we were at a point where we just needed help. So we were going to claim anybody that hit the, you know, anybody that we thought had enough talent, we were going to claim them. You know, we're a little more selective now, but we study other, you know, all 31 teams during the preseason very hard. And then our pro scouts are involved in our college process. So, They've seen most of these guys in college, and if there was a guy we like that hits the street, you know, even if we don't claim him, we make sure we bring in and work him out and, and possibly get him on our practice squad. And last question here, Chris Ballard. We can't appreciate you enough for your time, dude. This is very, very nice of you. Uh, go ahead, Ty. Chris, guys getting injured is obviously just part of the, the business, but is there any – I mean, last year you guys especially kind of got snake bit early in camp. Is there any part of you that, you know, like obviously you got the team needs to get the work in, but I assume – like are you ever getting kind of like a tight asshole walking around like, hey, let's just get to the season so we don't – start slow and have you know four of our marquee players go down no i mean you gotta practice to get better i mean this game i mean look i mean it sucks when you know when somebody gets hurt but you gotta get you gotta get the work in um now we can be smart about it from a contact standpoint but there still needs to be a certain amount of contact that you have to get ready for the season get your body ready for the season so no i look you gotta practice you gotta work to get better um, and, you know, our staff, our training staff and our strength staff and the coaches, they do a good job taking care of our guys. 
Um, sometimes something unfortunate happens. It is what it is, and you move forward. Hey, we appreciate you for your time. Good luck the rest of camp, pal. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Are you sleeping anywhere? Like, are you in dorms or hotels? Or are you at home? What, what's the deal? I stay at home. Soft. I stay at home. Soft. The league's gotten soft, AJ. You hear that? <laughs> I think he's smart, actually. Yeah, incredibly intelligent. If I could have done that, I would have done that immediately. Uh, have a great camp. Keep building. We appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Right, Coach guys. GM Thank Chris Bauer. Thank you, buddy. Joining us now, live from training camp. A general manager that has been on this show far too many times because he is far too kind. Mm -hmm. An incredible conversation every single time he pops on here because he seems to be a regular human who has a big football brain. Oh, yeah. He has sculpted a team in Buffalo to become a favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. He's a... uh, He's going to be a trailblazer. People are going to be trying to do what he has done with the Buffalo Bills for a long, long time. And I don't know if it's going to be possible because you got to be great at golf, I heard. Yeah. yeah. you got to wear polos. Right. Uh, you got to have, a, you know, maybe a, have a beer or two every once in a while. Right. And your name's got to be Brandon Bean. Yeah. What's up, man? Uh, that's a pretty good intro there, Pat. Appreciate that. Hey, you deserve it. Thank you for joining us live from training camp. How's life? How are you feeling? Is it a little bit of, we just talked to obviously a couple GMs. Is this a little bit more of a relief once you get to training camp or are you still in the middle of every day, high anxiety, got to gotta get a lot of shit done right now? Well, you don't have a lot to get done. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of that time between there's no game. So, you know, Coming up next weekend, we can start watching other teams, their rosters. You know, if you need, you know, guys that may not make their roster that you may look, you know, for a position to fill. Right now, you just you enjoy practice, but you hold your breath every time there's a, a guy going down or a hard hit or something like that, especially uh, one of your precious guys. Get up, 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 get up. Go ahead, AJ. I know you're uh, you're a big O and D line guy. I saw some comments before where you were excited about watching those guys when the pads come on. What has that been like? I know you've had some some O line injuries early in camp, but what what have they been doing? Yeah, the, uh, you know that's the the best part about training camp. We do all this t shirt and shorts in May, and now with the ramp up period, you got uh, a week. You know, used to I remember when John Fox was our head coach, we'd come straight out of vacation. 8.30 practice, and we're doing goal line. You know, just uh, guys, a, a day and a half ago, we're on a beach somewhere. So, uh, How we're, miserable we're past- can we make this? <laughs> Good There'd be those- two of them, too, first day. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then and then uh, go take a shower, eat something, and come back, and let's do it again in, in, in the afternoon heat in South it's Carolina. It's going to be hotter. Yeah, it's going to be hotter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, my God! But, but no, it's been it's been good, AJ. Uh, it's it's been fun to see. Unfortunately, uh, we we have been missing some O linemen, as you said. Uh, the D line have probably uh, won more more battles to this point. Which usually, as you know, the defense uh, kind of starts ahead of the of, of the offense, especially running twists and stunts and games. But uh, it's been good for a lot of our backup linemen to have to go against you know Ed Oliver, uh, obviously Bond Russo, and those guys. So. Uh, It's been a good start. Uh, It's getting to that point, the dog days of camp, where they're tired of hitting each other. Um, You know, we've had a few uh, elbows, a little extracurriculars, but uh, it'll be good next week. We play, uh, we play, actually play Ballard's crew uh, in in Buffalo next Friday. So uh, looking forward to that or next Saturday. All right, we're not going to give any competitive advantage to anybody. Then we're not going to talk about (laughs) what we know, what Uh we don't know. Uh, How many times you've been on the show? Four times, three times, four times, five times. Do you know how many times? I think three or four. It's always a good time. 
how come I'm just now learning about Sal Capaccio? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to know why, you know, that didn't come up in our conversations in the past. I am legitimately bummed about that. Well, we're, we're trying to keep Sal under wraps. We don't want to get him, let him get out of Buffalo, so uh, don't promote him too big. That's a smart thing. He talked, though, about Josh Allen uh, in that fight, and you're talking about the dog days of summer right now where guys are getting sick of hitting each other, and that was the first day of pads, and it was a goal line draw, and I heard it was the last play of the practice, so there was probably some you know emotions flying in there. That fight happens with Josh and a D-lineman, a uh, veteran. Your immediate thoughts on the sidelines are like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, or <laughs> do you like seeing like Josh Allen is a guy still, and you need that type of attitude and personality and moxie, I think, at that position. We've all learned, like, are you indifferent there, or are you, oh, shit, Josh Allen just got, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars, and he's our guy <laughs> while watching that? Well, once once he's out of the fray and, he, and he's healthy, I'm, I'm good with it. You know, you do, uh, your, your, your heart uh, goes into your throat there for a second to make sure he doesn't end up on the bottom of the pile, and knowing Josh, as big as he is, he can, he can fend for himself. You don't, you know, obviously want your quarterback necessarily in the middle of fights, but um, that's who he is. You know, he, he wants the ball in his hands. He's not afraid. Um, I always kind of get on to him, not for bad throws, but for taking hits. So um, <laughs> it's it's one of those things. He, I almost think he does it to drive me nuts uh, a little bit. And that's just who he is. So I'm not going to try and change him, that's for sure. Yeah, there's being All right, here, let me. Yeah, <laughs> what do you want to do? You want to get it? That's awesome. Uh, speaking of him wanting the ball, We've seen him run isos and powers and leads. I mean, it is, he's six foot whatever. He's mm-hmm. bigger than everybody, stronger than everybody, faster than everybody. And just like other quarterbacks are able to run, his ability is not only being able to be fast and outrun people and jump over people, he can also run through people. And we saw a lot of that last year, right? I mean, he wasn't taking big shots, but he certainly wasn't shying away from potentially running somebody over. That was Daybo's offense. He's gone now. New play caller. How has that process been, and how do you go about picking who the next person going to be in Josh Allen or who everybody thinks is the next prototype in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, um, Dable did a great job here with Josh first four years, kind of helped get this this program off the ground on, on offense. And uh, fortunately, we had Ken Dorsey here, um, who, who was here three of those four years. And Sean and I were familiar with Ken back in Carolina. Obviously, he had a great uh, history in, in college and, and played some pro. But Ken's a grinder. Uh, he and Josh meshed well. And, and although we did look on the outside, we ultimately decided that Ken was the best fit, uh, not to have to change you know the offense, the terminology, and just kind of uh, you know, move him up. And then we brought in Joe Brady, who had great success to be the quarterback coach down at uh, uh, LSU and then was in Carolina for, for a stint. And Joe's been great as well. And, you know, with the with the running part, you know, we have to be smart with that. Josh does want the ball in his hands. He does want to run. But, you know, ultimately he's learning. Uh, again, I get on to him not for throwing interceptions. I get on to him for taking unnecessary hits. So we will run him. We'll keep that element there. But uh, Josh knows to be smart, and and we just got to – that's the main thing, keep him upright, keep him healthy. What about your defense? I know you're, uh, both your safeties were banged up early in camp. Uh, I know you added Vaughn Miller. It'll be fun to watch that guy. Like, What have they shown early on in camp? Yeah, I mean, really, um, you know, we, we're down Poyer and Hyde right now, so we got hey, to – that's, Hey, that's not – We're I'm reading on Twitter – that's a massive fucking shot this early in camp, but I guess Capaccio told a silver lining is you have depth at safety that now you're getting some reps that you wouldn't normally get, get, normally get with those guys, and Poyer and Hyde will be back? Because, damn, that's a devastating blow early to the to the defense that is unbelievable almost that you put together, right? 
Yeah, I mean, you don't want to lose those two guys. They're they're the backbone of the secondary, especially Trey White's uh, on his way back from the ACL that he hurt last year. So uh, we count on Micah and Jordan. Luckily, uh, Micah's working his way back in. Jordan's probably another week or two away. But uh, it's been good to get these young guys some experience. You never know when that's going to happen. Jaquan Johnson, uh, DeMar Hamlin, Nick McLeod, those guys are awesome young up-and-comers. So, we're, you know, that's the you take the good with the bad. But uh, overall, our defense has probably won more, as I said earlier. And, and, you know, the D-line has probably been the, the biggest effect, uh, kind of affecting, you know, offense, just getting too much penetration on the quarterback. But um, it, that's also good, you know, for, for Josh, not to be able to stand back there and play seven on seven, have to move around the pocket, have to scramble and still make plays. How will you view the preseason game? Are you going to play any guys? Or, how, like, it seems like nowadays, and Aaron alluded to this in his conversation, that these preseason games have evolved over the last couple of years. You know, it did seem like preseason games were viewed differently just a few years ago, even by the fans. Now it feels like everybody's in the understanding, like can't have anybody get hurt, want to see what we got a little bit, but there isn't really any expectation. When you and Sean sit down, do you have to scope that out? Is that a decision that has to be made, or is it kind of already figured out who's going to be up, who's going to be down? It's really a week-by-week decision. You know, we we want to make sure, first off, you know, we're talking about O-line. You know, if our O-line is not fully healthy – you know, to go play, we're not going to stick Josh out there behind a backup O-line and have him, you know, Smart. take a chance on an unnecessary mm-hmm. shot. So ultimately, we'll we'll try and make sure that, um, you know, if most of our ones can go, whether that's week one, week two, week three, whatever it is, we'll, we'll make sure that uh, they're kind of working together, receivers as well. And then on defense, uh, kind of the same thing. We'll, we'll play more of the guys as long as we kind of have the full unit. Right now, the D-line and, and linebackers have stayed healthy. We're missing the two safeties, so we'll, we'll see how they are as we go along. We won't play them a lot, but we'll try and get them out there and at least get them some game action before we get into the regular season. Hey, what you're saying is making sense. And when do you think that change happened? Because back whenever you're talking about those 8.30 a.m. day one goal line drills, it wasn't like that at all for preseason games. It was like you're building up for the third preseason game, then the fourth one is off. Now it's like almost everybody in unison is like, uh, let's do this smart. We don't need to do this anymore. What do, you, do you think there was a thing that happened, or is it the rules that got put into place? What do you think it is? I think it's just people are evolving and, and realizing that, yeah, you may not be hitting your stride week one. You may still be kind of working to who you are, but uh, sometimes you're still doing that anyway. And, and to lose a guy unnecessarily, because we all know – there's a lot of guys out there trying to make their team and they may take a, an unnecessary shot. And once you get to the regular season, everybody understands it's a long haul. So I think it's just people evolving. You also doing inter squad scrimmages, going against other teams, yeah. trying to get work without actually, you know, taking guys down. I mean, even practices evolve. We do way more thud up than we do take to the ground. We, you know, we did a goal line period today, take to the ground, but for the most part, we don't do a lot of that back in the day. As you know, that, you know, Rarely was there a thud up here. That was like a day off to not be taking them to the ground. Yeah, anytime shells were set, it was exciting news. And then thud <laughs> and let them go was a big deal. The the change in all that and still football getting better and better mm-hmm. has to be quite a win for those scientists in this. You know what I mean? They're yeah. Like, yeah. Told you didn't have to die. And all these ex-players, you know, that are like, the game's gotten soft. They also think to themselves, like, we knew it when it was all bullshit mm-hmm. when we were in there puking and getting our faces running. <laughs> we don't have to do this, as a lot of people are saying. No, that's how you got to win, and now it's the complete opposite. I think it's brilliant. Go ahead, Ty. Brandon, I assume going into every year you have pretty high expectations for your team, but, like, with the success of last year and then going into this year with, you know, all the hype surrounding you guys again, like, 
does it almost feel different? Do you look at the team differently this year and, and really, you know, think like, oh, we actually we do have all the pieces to go win a Super Bowl? Well, I think, you know, the last few years, once we, you know, we made the playoffs with Josh's second year, we traded for Diggs uh, that year. We'd had a pretty good year offensively. We thought that year, like, listen, not saying we're going to win it, but we thought we had a team if we got hot and the ball bounced our way. And then, you know, ultimately that year, Josh's third year, we made it to the AFC Championship, um, did not beat Kansas City. And, and last year, uh, kind of the same thing, got hot late in the season and kind of made a run. So we've looked at, at some of the areas that maybe we fell short, hence the Von Miller move. We just felt, you know, we couldn't quite, you know, we were getting pressure, but we weren't getting the guys like Mahomes down. Closers. Yeah, we needed a closer. And so to use the baseball term, uh, we brought Bond in to help us close the game. And, and that's the biggest area that we thought, hey, if we're going to get over the top, we're going to need somebody like that. And so hopefully that helps us. But, you know, we, we put a lot of expectations on ourselves, probably more than, you know, anyone on the outside will put on us. Tom Telesco mentioned why he brought in Khalil Mack is because they, you know, he, he grew up here in the Colts. And Freeney and Mathis, if there was – a fourth down at the end of the game and a desperate drive for another team, like guaranteed one of them's getting mm-hmm. a set. Like it was just a matter of fact almost. Like this game is over. That's why you have to pay them so damn much. They know that too. <laughs> you know what I mean? They they understand like, yeah. hey, I understand this isn't the first three quarters type of deal, but when this game needs to be over, I am yeah. the guy I am the reason. And there's only like four or five of those opportunities through a season too, where guys can really come in and make a complete difference. And in those moments, everybody's like, that's why you pay that guy. That's why you pay that guy. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. That's the game though, right? Everybody's throwing now, especially the team. I mean, the Chiefs that you're talking about, they're throwing the ball. Every offense is throwing the ball. Those defensive end and corners, is that just gonna be the price tag you think for defense as we continue to roll forward in these contract structures? Yeah, I mean, it's a passing league. The rules are set up for offense. It, you know, obviously it starts with having a quarterback, but uh, after having a quarterback and protecting yours, you better go get the other ones down. You, you better get his ass on the ground or, you know, uh, if, if not, he's going to beat you. And we, like I said, we've run into that the last couple of years. We, we were right there with Kansas City, but we just didn't get Mahomes to the ground enough. And, you know, you talked about Telesco, Justin Herbert. I mean, what a game those guys played last year at the end of the year with the Raiders. Uh, I mean, that, that was our game was good against KC. That that game may have been just as good. So uh, he's done a heck of a job and and smart move by him going getting Khalil Mack. Do you watch other people's moves and strategies, or do you have to just kind of focus on your own shit? No, I, I study. You know, there's a lot of smart people in the league, and uh, I definitely don't have it figured out for sure. So. Uh, you try and learn from who's doing it well, know. and then try mm-hmm. and learn from who's doing it, you know, not so well. Hey, I want to let you Super Bowl favorites. I mean, that yeah. means yeah. the GM has done <laughs> pretty good, right? For I sure. mean, that is what mm-hmm. that means. For sure. Yeah. Not that doesn't mean Pat. That don't mean shit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not going to help with like the absence of a ring in, the, in your legacy no, or anything. No. But they will say a couple times, "This team's super." Uh, they were the favorite. Yeah. Oh, they kind of. Yeah, like- I can't. I can't walk into the owner's office and say, "I know we're seven and nine, seven and ten, but they said we were Super Bowl favorites." <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> Can ex- I get that contract extension? Yeah, you're right. It is a production league. I get it, but goddamn, that team is ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah. Speaking of good GMing, with all the you know rising contracts the quarterbacks do you ever like look at yourself in the mirror and think like god damn i'm a smart son of a bitch for signing josh allen before all these things started rising or are you already thinking about the next one that you're gonna have to give to him no I'm, i don't think about it once once i get them done I'm, I'm glad we get guys like josh uh sign and still trey white and uh you know all the guys that we've been able to resign but no it's 
Uh, I don't, you know, look and gloat. It's it's more who's the next guy? Who do we got to get ahead of the curve on? Because uh, you're trying to keep as many of your pieces together as you can just to keep the continuity. It's hard, um, you know, especially after COVID with, um, you know, the cap going down. Now it's working its way back. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. I asked um... – I forget who it was. Maybe Mike Greenberg, the salary cap guru for the Buccaneers. The salary cap, they give you what they think it's going to be, right? But there's these new deals coming in that might be, right? There's a chance we see a massive spike in the salary cap or no? What do you think? You know, everyone keeps saying, agents keep talking about, hey, there's going to be a big spike. There's going to be a big spike. Okay, so that is something being talked about, yes. It is being talked about, but you know, they still kind of regulate, you know, a little bit. So I don't know. And we, what what happens is we don't know exactly where it's at next year. In December, we go to the labor meetings and they give us a range at that point. So right now we're, we're, we're left to our own, you know, just guessing and, and the, hearing things, asking the right questions. What's the, t, what's the new TV deals? What are the other new marketing deals, whether it's Amazon or um, you know, all the various TVs? What? Yeah, Apple. Uh, so... We don't, you know, we're we're still in the, more in the dark than I would love to be, but uh, that's the way it is, and, and we just kind of deal with it. At the very expensive positions right now, it seems to be locked up. Quarterback, you got somebody locked up. Defensive end, you got somebody mm-hmm. locked up. And wide receiver, you got somebody up. Stephon Diggs, that deal continues to look like a great mm-hmm. deal, but that was a must-have, I assume, because as soon as he showed up, Josh Allen became, like, what, infinitely better in, overnight almost, right? Yeah, I mean, Steph's a great player, and, and part of it is fit, you know, and, and you know, how's the quarterback and the, and the receiver going to mesh? And those two from day one, I mean, Steph came in here during the COVID year where there was really no offseason. Those two met for like three or four days in, in May down in Florida. But other than that, they didn't throw the ball together, and it was weird. Instantly, when camp started within a week or so, you're like, man, these guys are already on the same page. They're doing well. And so uh, why mess with something that's working so well? You know, that that'd be stupid on my part. So – Glad to have Steph. He's he's a dog. He's a tough dude, and uh, glad we got him locked up for years to come. You liked him immediately, though. Remember, because on our show is where you said we asked a question about like snooping around if you hear something's going on somewhere else, if there's a chance that somebody wants to trade. And it was like when you talked about the Stephon Diggs trade, it was like it was a like, yeah, we heard there's potentially a problem. It was like, you were very pumped to get him. He has lived up to everything you have wanted, I'd assume, as a as a football player and a teammate over there. Yeah, he's been, Steph's been great. You know, uh, every situation's his own. And, and I've seen, I've been on teams where you had a player that it, it wasn't working for whatever reason, you send them elsewhere and they're kind of the best versions, of, best versions of themselves. And I think that's Steph, not that it was, you know, I thought he was a really good player, talented guy. We had asked about him, as I told you before, uh, Minnesota had said no, but uh, they opened the door a little bit, you know, that year, a couple of years ago. And fortunately, we were able to work it out to get him here. Hell yeah. Josh is thankful, too. I think. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned agents. <laughs> you said agents are telling you that the uh, the salary cap is going up and all these deals. I would imagine since the dawn of time, agents have been telling GMs and owners that the salary cap is going up, right? Yeah, no doubt. They're they're always trying to tell you, oh, you'll have plenty of cap space. I heard it's going up to 235 million next year. What you know, whatever. Like literally this year, uh, it was going up to 208, and people are already saying it's going to be two. You know, some agents are already saying it's going to be 235, 240. I'm I'll hearing- be shocked. <laughs> The agent, the agent coming in. I'm here. Listen, now this is just cup reports. You know, I got somebody in there. I'm here in 235, 240, maybe. Yeah. They're two and a half billion for the Sunday ticket package. That thing's going to skyrocket. We can get a deal done. Can we backload it too? I mean, we get. That's hilarious to think of that taking place and you having to deal with that with every single combo, basically. 
Oh, no doubt. It's, uh, it's, it's part of the, you know, they're trying to, you know, get us to spend the money, which I get. That's their job. They want their player paid. But, you know, ultimately, if I screw up and, and miscalculate that, they're not going to have to deal with it. I will. Are you going to have to do, do you have to be leveraging in every conversation you have with everybody? I don't know if you do. I mean, I think, you, you know, my tactic is uh, let's be straightforward and, and be honest. And, and, you know, agents are always going to shoot for the high side. We're not trying to shoot for the low. I mean, I think you just try and shoot for fair because, you know, if you if you sign a guy to what's a bad deal for him, ultimately you're going to have a problem in a year or two. It's just going to be yep. blown out of the water. So, uh, yeah, you're not looking to pay the highest, but uh, you don't want the guy, you know, going to bed every night going, man, I'm an idiot. I signed a dumb deal. Uh, my agent screwed me. That's, that's no good either. Yeah, because the value of a guy can – directly affect how he feels about the place that's putting the value on him too. The after the honeymoon new contract signing bonus phase is over and he starts yeah. seeing what other people are making, it's like, oh, these people <laughs> these people think I'm trash on the like that that starts creeping in. That's a smart that's a good way to look at things, by the way. Hey, that might be why you're good at this, Bean. Hey, yeah. hey, way to go. Way to go. Last question here. We appreciate you. Go ahead, Tony. Brandon, you brought in OJ Howard to pair with Dawson Knox. Is that because Ken Dorsey came to you and said, Hey, I know Dayball liked to throw it around the yard, but I'm thinking about going double tights, maybe running about a triple option. Is that what happened there? Well, you know what? It's funny. Uh, we were, Honestly, the way I look at building offense is just trying to find weapons and, and really don't care if it's running backs, receivers, tight ends. Just uh, a way to give Ken Dorsey as many options as he can. And, you know, in Carolina, we actually had uh, Cam's first or second year, we had uh, Shockey and Greg Olson. And I thought it was, you know, just you had two big targets going down the middle of the field. I thought it was easy for, for Cam to see. And so to add another big, you know, big weapon, a guy who – we got on a lower cost deal. Who was a you know former first round pick had a you know excellent end of his career at Alabama. Uh, had an Achilles a couple years ago. Has been down since. So give him a chance on a one year prove it deal and see what happens. Hey, we appreciate you, man. Can't wait to watch your team. It sounds like you haven't changed at all, even though this guy's pieced together uh-huh. the odds on favorite to win a Super Bowl. That's Hell right. Yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the general manager of the Buffalo Bills, the leader of Bills Mafia, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Bean. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys. Hey, you too, man. Enjoy camp. I wonder if he's sleeping in a dorm or a hotel. Still got a long way to go. I doubt it. Long way to go. Sleeping at the golf course. He's Three weeks. Yeah, exactly. He's a scratch golf for that guy. Yeah. At the club. So the Colts. Do the players stay in a hotel? Or where, do, where do they? Do they go to their normal facility? What is it? I'm not sure. I've not experienced this new. So their place is called Westfield, Indiana. I think right. Yeah. yeah. Westfield, Indiana. They built this massive sports complex up there. I don't know how it worked. It must have been some incredibly wealthy person had a bunch of space up there. Built up this like strip mall plaza, this massive workout and sports facility, like literally overnight. I, I, I might be wrong with that. It might have been like a couple of years planning before it happened. But for the people of Indiana, this shit just popped up overnight. They have the biggest like baseball tournaments in the Midwest here. Like out of nowhere, this entire town just kind of got created. Hotels, things to do, practices, and training camp went there almost immediately upon it building. So I'm not sure how it goes. I assume they stay in hotels and then they kind of just bike ride or golf cart around the the facility but it is beautiful and brand new up there aj brand well, how far is it from their normal facility uh probably like 45 minutes to an hour drive oh okay it depends on where you live around indianapolis on how yeah. close this is to you yeah how how close are they to the normal facility still like 15 20 minutes who 
uh, Colts players. So it like so it depends where you live. Okay. You know yeah. how Indiana is. True. Yeah, I mean, true. Indiana is literally thirty minutes to everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Saints used to. The Saints had that facility at the Greenbrier. I don't. They don't use it anymore. Mm-hmm. But they have a big old indoor facility mm-hmm. there and outdoor fields. Did you make a noise about the uh, Greenbrier yeah. because the Greenbrier has the yeah. Governor Jim Justice's favorite chocolate chip cookie those, for sale? Boy, <laughs> those were so absolutely good. delicious. What? But never chocolate, chocolate Never chip. ever would I make some I told su- you that. sweet old ninety-year-old woman go uh, heat it up for me and deliver me a glass of milk. Oh, you're talking about Nick Brawl? Uh, yeah. She was what? Middle-aged, and she, she asked was me ninety-five. Well, we got a chance to try some of Governor Jim Justice's favorite chocolate chip cookies <laughs> at the Greenbrier. Okay. I've been there. I didn't get to try any. Well, that's on you. Oh, yeah. I should have ordered some poor old lady around to heat me one up. Yeah, well, they don't offer it up to bitch-made cats. Oh! oh God, suck it. Dude, Barry, don't, bro. Don't. Like Mr. Beast, dude. Oh. And Nick just got out the glass coffin, buried that thing mm-hmm. 10 feet below Body you, bag. and put you down. Um... Yeah, that was the thing we remember most from the Greenbrier. I think all of us, we hear the Greenbrier, we immediately go, oh, that's not the place that made me put on a rental suit. Remember that? Oh, I had to put on it. a size uh, like 99. <laughs> oh, to gamble, right? Sports jacket <laughs> to gamble. Yeah, And they had to give me pants to put on over my shorts to gamble. In a fanny pack, had a lot of cash that I was going to go gamble. Couldn't get in until I put on one of their jackets and a pair of their pants. So we won't remember them for that. Golf course was very nice, mm-hmm. very difficult. Good times, people were nice. We remember them strictly because Governor Jim Justice's favorite chocolate chip cookie <laughs> was for sale at every single tent and available. And by the way, delicious. Quite <laughs> delicious. It was delicious. Yeah, we had them at room temp, and we were walking around the little tent we were in. We had them at room temp, and Nick basically stopped the lady dead in her tracks who might have been working directly for Governor Jim Justice. Yeah. And uh, she goes, can I help you with anything? Uh, maybe maybe a microwave for the cookie. I think she was just saying, like, in passing, Nick was like, actually, yeah, I will grab seven more, too. Who says no? And then uh, also... 2% milk, please. <laughs> this lady leaves in the middle of the day, comes back with these warmed up, incredibly delicious chocolate chip cookies, uh, Governor Jim Justice's favorite. Probably how he was served them the first time. Uh-huh. right? And how, like, oh, these are these are my favorite. And then a nice cup of milk while it's 95 degrees. Ice cold. And yeah. we're sitting in a tent. It was, a, it was an amazing moment. You lived like high society there, Nick, for a little bit. It was very nice of her to offer that. Uh, she was not suggested in any way. She yeah. was not coerced. Uh, well, she did for nobody else. Strictly ever voluntary. Happened. It only happened for Governor Jim Justice, <laughs> Jesus, and Nick Marotta. Were those your favorite chocolate chip cookies? Hands down. Hands down. They were so good. That guy knows. How did the governor make his money? He's a billionaire, right? Cookies. Speaking of the governor, I looked it up from earlier. It was John, John Kerry was married to a Heinz. There you go. John Phil texted me actually and said that. John okay. Kerry's Earth, right? Any big Earth guy? I think he's. I don't know. Right. I can't. I think he's R.I.P. Track. He think he's track. Track. Is he R.I.P.? Oh, that's John Kerry. No, John Kerry's not R.I.P. Oh. John Kerry's still alive? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. Probably paddling for Saudi or something. W right beat now. his ass. Yeah. What's everybody's deal? What's, it? What's happening? I don't, I, mean, I don't even know this guy. W, w did beat his yeah, ass. Yeah, I know he did. In the presidential election. Put him in the grave. Now watch me hit this drive. We will not stand. Yeah. All right, let's do some phone calls to get the and fuck out. And burn this fastball. Yeah. Is John Kerry the one that said, get this Heinz ketchup out of no, Pittsburgh? I don't think so. Could we need to find out who that vote it was. was. Your, it was your squad. What's the new company? Acrisure. Acrisure didn't say, hey, Heinz, kick everybody off your board from Pittsburgh in 2019. No. Why would they? How do you kick? Off, how do you boot your board like that? I think it's a vote. But didn't he, didn't you say like they got all Corporate new board members? Yeah, new money. 
Yeah, there was a merger, wow. and that fucked everything. Where'd they come from, huh? Kraft. Kraft. Oh, yeah. Shaitan. Robert? No. Where do you think they came from, Con? Not Robert. I don't know, maybe fucking Saudi or something. No, didn't Robert. What's your deal? What's your deal? All, all You've new, been wildly toxic lately. Yeah. Like, all new money these days, and that's because football is only 35 Did Robert even earn his money? It. Is that what Ooh, did Robert earn uh, his money? Robert Mac actually earned his money and then bought his uh, wife's father's company and then fucking changed the game. Read that in a book. <laughs> Became friends with John Bon Jovi. Yeah. John Bon Jovi. John bon Jovi. And Michael Rubin. Oh, yes. The whole crew. Jay-Z. Meek Mill. Sure. Rick is Connor Ross. a Bon Jovi fan? Yes. Who? Is Connor a Bon Jovi He's fan? He's just trying to peddle me into doing the gimmicks that he loves. Oh, is this puppetry happening? I won't say it. Yeah. Is he trying to do this? I right won't now? be a puppet to AJ's bullshit. Not anymore. Nuh-uh. New I'm year, new to, me. I'm not doing that. I'm just, I enjoy when you do it. What's that banger John Bon Jovi created, though? Fucking bad. No, 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 no. Bon Jovi, We did it. We got there. I wanted it as well, AJ. We all it's wanted it. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, we did want to hear it. Though. No, it's okay. I, I Play could, the hits, they said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It has been a while since the hits have been played. All right, let's answer some phone calls because I've teased it for three hours, four hours. And hammer down. Were you betting this game tonight? I'm betting this game. Let's fucking go. Let's go, dude. It's NFL football. I've been on the Raiders since Monday. No spoilers. All right. Stay tuned. Hammer done. (laughs) (laughs) Return's the bet of the day. Let's go to the Five Energy phone line. Uh, Alex in Minnesota. What's going on, pal? Hey, boys. uh, Keep it moving. How we doing? All that bullshit. Okay. Don't you know. I've got a question for AJ. I've got a question for AJ. When he was on that big Illuminati yuppie yacht, whatever, how long did it take him to crash that thing like a golf cart? Oh! oh, dog, dog. my yeah. God. What yacht was I on? Oh, that one in uh, South Carolina with the dumps, right? Oh, oh yeah. If you call uh, that a yacht, that wasn't exactly a yacht. Yeah, I was not at the helm of that. There was a captain driving that guy. Oh, Zito thought he was talking about the cult cruise that you go yeah. on. Oh, mm-hmm. Captain Epstein. What was the captain's? <laughs> All right. Let's grab the phones. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he loved Columbus. He did, and he loved sailing too. The outskirts. He was in the outskirts of the boat. Where are you? I'm not. I'm right in the heart of it. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. way away from. <laughs> I actually am pretty far away from all the land Epstein bought up years ago. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and also, how close are you to Urban's little uh, draft dance floor pub? Yeah. Yeah. About 15 minutes, probably. Right. But there's yeah. two of them. I found out there was two of them after the incident. He was at the one I've never been to. How long oh, ago? yeah. Oh, okay. For real, downtown. Oh, you've never been uh-huh. on that dance floor, huh? I've been, no, the one I've been, there's two of them. I said, there's one closer to me. I've been to that. I thought that's where he was. No, he was at the one downtown. Like the job house? Sure stayed off. Sure stayed off. How long does it take if you use the tunnels under your house? <laughs> I wish. That'd be awesome. <laughs> this guy. This guy's in the fifth dimension. He is. What? Yeah. Let's go to the phones right now. Fifth dimension, be freaking uh, out. What do you take to get? Let's go to Ray and well, we could expand upon <laughs> some things. Just Google it. Should we call Jordan? Let's go to after this call. Uh, yeah. No, let's go to Ray in Virginia. Ray, what's going on? The Five Energy phone line. Go to fiveenergy.com. Use promo code Mac if you to receive ten percent off your order of Five Hour Energy shots that get you from A to B. A being. Bah. BB Woo! Hell Feeling yeah. good. What do you want to talk about, Ray in Virginia? Hey, boys. How you doing? Keep it moving. Bingo. Um, a couple this of things. Much yeah. First thing, 
you know, we heard about Aaron Rodgers doing the whole ayahuasca thing. Now I'm just wondering, is he going to pull like a Doc Ellis and go out on the field on that and throw a perfect game? I believe that was LSD, but I do appreciate where your head is at. Um, I don't know. Is he tripping balls during the season, AJ? I, from what I've gathered, it doesn't seem like something you'd want to do every day, but I don't know. Maybe you could microdose. I don't know if you're microdosing ayahuasca. That would be, I mean, who knows? Science is doing new things every single Depends day. Depends what dimension you're in, I guess, right? Uh, well, what I've heard is you're trying to get the nine. That's right. I heard nine dimensions where you're trying to get. Which divi- what, what division? What are you in right now? Three. This is the third dimension, obviously. Come on, yeah. dude. Wake up. Okay. I'm in five. Okay. You no, there? you're not. If you're it's in- whatever whatever dimension I think I'm in, right? No, it's no, not like no. an identified hey, thing. Get out of here, dude. What is your problem? Why yeah. do you got to fucking like ridicule and minimize everything? Yeah, just change I'm your dimensions all. all willy-nilly. This yeah. dude's like minimizing the fifth dimension. You don't want to be in the fifth dimension, dude. Jeez, freaking what, a, I'm on my way to the six. No, you want to yeah. get to nine, pal. You want to skip six. Six is a big one, though. From what six I is a pretty cool. Call Jordo, please. Let's get to this. Call Jordo. I didn't know about all this. Yeah, come on. Look it up. Read a book, maybe yeah. one time. One time in the third dimension about sure, the other dimension. One of those books over there that yeah. we had to read every week. Joining well, us now is a man who has all the answers for the conversation we are currently having. Finally, and I'm not sure. Oh no, disconnect him. Come on. Let's go to the fence. NSA. Yeah, I doubt it. Let's go to... Remember, you are in the third dimension right now. Do you have any lawsuits out there? Me? Yeah. Not yet. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, very oddly, someone did die yesterday. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Who? Nick in Alabama. <laughs> Nick in Alabama. This show. That's what happened yesterday. <laughs> this show died in the middle of the day yesterday whenever we were trying to cover something. Let's go to Nick in Alabama uh, here on this glorious Hall of Fame game Thursday, August 4th. Nick, what's going on? What's up, boys? How's it going? Keep it moving. Perfect. Hey, what part of Alabama? Hold on. Hold on. What part of Alabama? Are we Roll Tide or we War Eagle down here? We're uh, Roll Tide down here. You're yeah. goddamn right. Uh-huh. That was what? an elephant. <laughs> Why'd y'all shoot Connor down so bad to uh, say that a pro team could go to Alabama when all these other uh, states have three and four teams, three to two teams in there? Because you guys love college football too much. Would you be able to open up for NFL? If we had a pro team, though, those two teams could come together and become one big team. Oh, when to become one, I need an NFL team to put our swords aside. You're War Eagle and I'm rolling motherfucking time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I don't think it'll work. I honestly don't think it'll work. Just like a team in Columbus, like, there's no reason. If, it, if there's already a cult fan base, I don't think they're going to put it aside to go with somebody else. And also, I think college football towns are college football towns. Yeah. And I think NFL towns are NFL towns. I might be just a hater, though. He lives in Alabama. He seems to think that that's different. I just don't think the NFL will ever really go for it because of how awesome those cults are in the South down there. I think you're exactly right. I haven't spent much time in Alabama, but I would imagine, yeah, like they are so in. They don't know what it's like to lose down Bingo. there either. You're going to lose some games if you're an NFL team. It's going to be tough to stick with. It. It's almost like Jacksonville, right? Jacksonville kind of yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Florida. Not just that too, but if it's an expansion team that's moving there, like they are going to stink for a while probably. And if Alabama's fucking going to the national yeah. championship every year, like no one's going to watch or go to those other games. Now, to be clear, if a team wins, their fans will show up. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. So that's all that matters. But I don't think. I don't think win right away too. Yeah, I don't think the NFL wants to compete with anybody in the SEC. You know, we saw how Birmingham showed up for USFL. So, 
You're not right. Not a fucking good start. Well, in well, North- they had every single game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, were they expected to be at the stadium for 10 straight weeks, 10 straight hours every uh-huh. weekend? Uh-huh. Do they love football? I mean, Turns out they not, not, not enough. enough, I guess. And chicken salad. We've talked about it before, but if Bama were to play one of those teams, I mean, what? probably take Bama. What, over the XFL? Being every, uh, being every single USFL team, yeah. Hundred percent. I would assume that would be the case in New Orleans. Not like last year was a rebuild. How about saving going? Last year was a rebuild. The SEC, it is just different down there. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it yeah. just needs to be understood and respected. If you're not from there, I mean, I guess Columbus is similar. Columbus has a similar cult, and I assume there's other places that have pretty good. But the SEC is just like so. I mean, they are all in on their teams, and they are so proud to go to that school, to be from that school, and for what their school is going to do. It was awesome to like kind of experience for the first time there with game day a couple years ago. I don't know if the NFL will ever want to just even try to compete with that. That's what makes college football cool is because there are like irrational, diehard fans. All right, let's get the hell out of here. We're part of the college football community. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> are we, AJ? Yeah. Where's Gump? Okay, What's that? Who? Where's Goomp? I haven't heard much from him. Well, this is this is a situation where we're trying to keep quiet. You know, we're not trying to. Oh no, is he dead? No, 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 no. 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 We're, we're just trying. To, this is kind of all smoothly happening. You know, so all we're right, just... good. Then hey, move on. Yeah, good. Goop, miss you. Can't wait to see you. Goop, we do miss you. Miss you, Goop. Foxy, it's been great to have you back, Bob. Thank yeah. you, guys. Evie. Evie. Zito, great work. Nick, Course, great work. Dirty, great work. Bill, great work. Bruce, great work. All the guests today can't thank you all enough. Boys crushed it, killed it. See you, Mignogna, AJ, when we get to react to an NFL game. Hell yeah. Hammer Down's in like 15 minutes at youtube.com forward slash hammer. We shall see you, Mignogna. Goodbye.
Yes.